Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome into Hoopsville on this Thursday or Monday evening. Jeez, jump of the gun there. It is Monday evening as we roll along on this January. We're midway through the month, believe it or not. Welcome to Martin Luther King Day on the 16th of January. Thank you for taking the time to join us on the show. If you've got questions for us, you can tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville, where we're live simulcasting the show and hope you'll uh, take a, a moment to maybe join us there. Um, <clears throat> lots of other ways, of course, you can join us. Um, email hoopsville at d3sports.com. That's hoopsville at d3sports.com, uh, et cetera, et cetera, as they say, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, we have get, let's get to the guest list first because if we don't, we're going to forget about it because that happens. Uh, jam packed show, bunch of news. So, I want to get to them. So, let's start with the first one. We're going to talk to uh, Olivia Lett, head coach of the Millican women's basketball team atop of the CCIW. As we talk now, we'll talk to her about the team, the, the CCIW, and and, and the, just the success that she has found there. She's been on the show in the past, and we'll look forward to hearing from her more about it. Uh, Meg Barber will join us from the currently still number one New York uh, NYU women's basketball team. Of course, they went 0-2 this weekend at Chicago and WashU. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the fact that they were number one and how big that was. The program itself, building off the Elite Eight run last year. And believe it or not, uh, they were supposed to open up a new gym. Looks like they won't. We'll talk about that uh, coming up as well. Um, then we'll change gears, talk men's basketball with Kent Dernbach. Uh, I'm going to have to update our thing. It says number 15 on our website. It's number 23 now, Wisconsin lacrosse men's basketball coach. They went one and two this past week, lost to uh, Wisconsin Oshkosh. We'll talk to Coach Dernbach about his team. Uh, then we'll talk about the men's top 25 with Bob Quillman, Ryan Scott, and Ryan Winnable. And at the end of the show, Gary Stewart, Stevenson men's basketball coach and the president of the National Association of Basketball Coaches this season. We will talk to him uh, apropos of Martin Luther King Day, but certainly lots of other things. And there may be some breaking news, or at least we'll cover, I should say, some developing news. Uh, on the back end of the show, we may have to send an email in the middle of all of this tonight. I've been trying to send it for the last 45 minutes and been unable. Uh, and we also may just save the news till Thursday. That news being out of Albion, Jody May is still the head coach of the men's basketball team despite the racial slur controversy that is ongoing there with the program. Um, a student newspaper article has come out. I'm, I'm not. We'll link it on our show page uh, at the conclusion of the show. Suffice it to say, it just has some more context and more details from the players. We also get a few quotes quotes from Jody May. We reached out to Coach May ourselves, um, and basically no comment is what we have been told. Uh, so nothing from Coach May. Um, it, it's an ongoing situation. I don't know if it's necessarily over. It may be in to some degree. It may not be relevant to some. It may be they're moving on. I, I don't want to certainly paraphrase anything there, but suffice it to say, um, it's still ongoing for some. It's still a topic of conversation for some. I think there's also a little bit of, of catching up to do, uh, and that's certainly significant for a lot of people. They want to understand a little bit of the dynamics of the entire thing. Um, so anyway... We're going to continue to stay on that. Worst case scenario, we'll move some of our coverage with that onto Thursday's show to try and dive into it deeper. But again, good article from the student uh, newspaper there at Albion, and uh, we'll see if we can get some more context to it. But we at least hear uh, from Jody May in those quotes for the first time and some others. Pivot, the other conversation that is ongoing 
um, is Concordia Chicago. That continues. Um, remember, at the Concordia Chicago, different situation. Apparently broke curfew, did the team uh, on their West Coast swing, losing two games out there after starting the season 8-0. Uh, as I understand it, it came home, and there was an a, a extra hard practice that resulted in, I believe, now seven players. I could, I might have my numbers confused. I know it was six, and I might be confusing seven being the amount of players that played in the Albion game. So I apologize. Uh, the game where all those uh, players decided to sit. Let's go with six. Six players uh, hospitalized for basically a condition where your muscle starts to break down. I'll say, I'll preface this: it can be fatal in extreme cases. Uh, everybody has since been released from the hospital. They have ha- already had to postpone, cancel, call off four games. For conference play, they're going down as forfeits, but not in reality. Just so you know, that's just a conference administrative thing that they're forfeits. That's just for standings. They're not going down as losses and or forfeits in general. Um, we thought it might be kind of being put to the background because it, according to a statement on the last show that we talked about, the school had contacted the parents, said the team was backing coach, and that they were moving forward after he had uh, missed some time and was suspended for a period of time. Uh, they weren't ready to play yet. That's why they missed another game over the weekend. However, news from WBBM CBS Chicago um, states that the athletic training staff quit. We checked. And they are no longer listed on the Alf, uh, on the uh, Concordia Chicago website, athletics website. There's no athletic staff mentioned at all. They are mentioned somewhere else, so we do have their names. We have an updated story on d3hoops.com. And apparently they resigned due to the fact, or to some degree, because Coach was reinstated. I think that speaks volumes what it speaks is in the eye of the beholder maybe and your perspective on it but for an athletic training staff to say no that's not good enough and quit as a staff and apparently there were four of them that's significant because that now impacts all the other teams uh not only men's basketball it impacts women's basketball and every other team that is at concordia chicago they obviously have to go through a hiring process get freelancers who knows if other athletic trainers are going to are going to back that play too Uh, and not help out? I don't know. It it won't affect away games necessarily, but it certainly impacts home games. I don't know when they quit. Uh, The CBS uh, Chicago report did not indicate when, at least from what I heard. Um, And and maybe that had an impact on Saturday's game, but I I am absolutely guessing at this point. So that happened as well. So we're continuing to follow that case. We have we have reached out, for those of you who apparently were trying to figure this one out, we have reached out to the school, and we have reached out uh, to um, Co- Coach Callen, Steve Callen, the head coach at at uh, Concordia Chicago. Uh, the school wrote back basically saying no comment, and we've basically gotten no comment from Coach Callen as well. So those of you who I know have been asking whether we've been doing our due diligence, we do do our due diligence. Uh, we did. It did take a while to get Coach Callinson's contact uh, information. Uh, not that's not always freely available, but we were able to get it. Um, he and and to circle back, Jody May was brought back um, at one point. Callen was brought back as well on administrative role. 
there's still some pieces involved and still moving, which is why I feel like every time we get on the show, I figure I'm going to have a note about this. It turns into something bigger, literally in the time leading up to the show, that we haven't been able to do enough uh, coverage of it. I am going to try and pivot on Thursday to dive in a little bit deeper. I didn't think we were going to need to. I will get like to hear Gary Stewart's thoughts on the Albion situation, not necessarily a negative thing, but where we can grow from there um, and so on and so forth. So we may on Thursday try and and dive in a little bit deeper. Admittedly, we may not be able to go anywhere with this, with these two topics, especially if there's no conversations at the schools. So there's that. Um, Before we go any further, this one found right before airtime Southwestern versus Shriner. In women's basketball action, first and foremost, going to knock a few people because uh, uh, the graphics... Oh, Kohler. Thank you. Uh, Bob Quillman. I misspoke. I was saying Callen. Steve Kohler. How did I get Callen in my head? I apologize for that error. Yeah, Steve Kohler. K-O-L-L-E-R. I'm not sure. I said Callen. Thanks, Bob. Um, Live updates. This is my producer sometimes, right on my phone, listening to the show and correcting me. Uh, I said to Pat, I need about six producers at this point in time with this show. It's gotten crazy um, to do it properly. Anyway, uh, Shriner Southwestern women's basketball at Southwestern, despite what our graphics say. Shriner is leading by 21, 16 seconds left to go in the third quarter. You and I are going to watch this together for the first time. I, I have details as to what happened. There was a push, a tackle, and we'll go from there. But this, I have not had a chance to watch the video. Thanks to Pat Coleman, he was able to get this up and running for me. So bear with me. I'm going to drop our graphic as well. Go to the video and play it for you. So there was a push. So there it is, late in the third. We're going down the other direction now. Leading team up by 21. Shot. Ooh, hard collision there for sure. And then some words. A push, oh, a little tackle, some punches thrown. You can clearly see punches thrown on the baseline there. Somewhat benches clearing, because I do see a few players coming off the benches for both teams. A handful there for for Shriner, and there were a couple coming from the other direction from Southwestern as well. Um, That is not pretty, to say the least. We'll take another quick look at it. I'm going to jump back here. That's a little late. Apologize. Here we go. Coming the other direction. 33 has the ball going up against 24. Misses the layup. 24 fouling the rebound with 25. Hits the deck hard. 15 must have said something. She and 25 start going at it. Then 5 and 25 are going at it. 25 throws a punch, and it's melee from there. Um, I see one, two. At least two players come off the bench for Shriner. Three, you could argue four. There were a handful of Southwestern in the corner as well. Uh, apparently, the officials eventually met, came to the monitor to make note of the players involved. Uh, we don't know if there were ejections, or I'm sure there were. It took 16 minutes before this was finally cleared up. Um, looking at the footage, going to Pat, fourth quarter had three fewer Shriner players on the bench and up to five missing on the Southwestern bench. So obviously a number of ejections as the officials met to discuss all of that. So that not a good look in Division Three either. We'll follow up on that as best we can. Uh, we were just, again, getting this today. It came in over the weekend. Uh, can't keep up with everything in Division Three, and apparently we are starting with a bang here in January, back on the air. Nothing but craziness 
throughout Division Three, and I'm sure there's other things. By the way, there was a new Top 25 out. Hadn't even gotten to that on the men's side. Women's side, we have not seen it. But on the men's side, uh, a couple of notes, including the fact that Randolph-Macon picked up a couple of extra first-place votes. Uh, top five, top six stayed the same. Rochester moved up from nine to seven. Uh, let's see. Let's see. The big movers. Uh, Hopkins fell two spots. Uh, St. Thomas moved up three. Uh, Claremont Mud Scripps is up three. Trine moved up four. Guilford up four. Emory fell two. Case Western Reserve fell 12. Not surprising. They went 0 for 2 for the weekend themselves against Emory and Rochester. Um, let's see. Wash U now back in the rankings. Mary Harden Baylor back in the rankings. What Wisconsin Lacrosse fell eight spots themselves. And Nazareth, I think it's a little hard on Nazareth, fell six spots to an overtime loss to Utica. Utica's not having a bad season. Um, women's top 25, not updated. Thus why we're going to still be talking to until it is updated. The number one ranked NYU women's basketball team. And on that note, I think we got it all covered. Lots to try and dive in there. Uh, and we never have enough time and we have a jam packed show again, Milliken's women's basketball coach, Olivia Lett will be joining us here momentarily. We'll talk to Meg Barber out of NYU. They will not be returning to their home court. It appears Maybe for the rest of the season, to be honest with you. We will talk to her about that. They were supposed to debut the new Kohl Center. I don't remember the new name. I apologize now. I just remember the old place was called Kohl Center before they tore it down six years ago. Um, They were supposed to be starting that on Friday. They will not. We'll talk to her about that. Uh, Also ahead, we will talk to men's basketball coach Kent uh, Dernbach at Wisconsin Lacrosse and Gary Stewart from Stevenson, who's the president of the NABC. And, of course, the men's panel, which is the Bob and the two Ryans, Quillman, Winnable, and uh, Scott, will be joining us on the show. Jam-packed, we will go over, and we may even get something at the end, though I'm maybe just going to push that to Thursday. So did everybody follow? There will be a quiz later because there's so much to talk about. We'll take a break. When we talk, when we come back, we'll jump out to Illinois, talk Milliken, women's basketball. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Back with more after this. are your teams, your players, your community of fans. This is where they play, where they practice, where you cheer at every meet, every event, every game. Your community is passionate, dedicated, supportive. You know the tension of a close game and the thrill of the win. So while you're cheering, keep an eye out for anything out of the ordinary. If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no-look pass. And cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success. And prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. got more schools than Division 1, more fans than Division 2, and more upsets than March Madness. 
There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us. All of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, as we continue to roll along on this Thursday night. Matt Snyder, our good friend, also a top 25 uh, panelist for us, with a great gif of us trying to keep up with the 840 men's and women's basketball teams. Listen, normally I can do it, and to be honest with you, I've taken a step back from D3 boards because I was running out of time, but now I'm going to have to go back in because I, I can't. Uh, I need to keep up better. And, and we're clearly at a point where we're going to need to start hiring because this has gotten out of control uh, in, in our world. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, hoopsville at D3sports.com. You can also join us um, on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville where we're live simulcasting the show. Speaking of which, I forgot to check in there to see if anybody was uh, joining us. I, I hadn't I hadn't gotten into the broadcast. What, what am I doing? There we go. Um Sorry about that, Facebook fans. I know you're out there trying to tune in and, and listen to the program, and, well, we weren't doing a good enough job of paying attention. Uh, anyway, uh, women's basketball, let's switch gears and talk about some of the good teams around the country, including the Milliken women's basketball team. Let's be honest, at this point in time, it shouldn't be a surprise because Olivia Led has been doing bonkers amazing there at Milliken, much to her alma mater's chagrin, uh, as she continues to have their number as well. Um, joining us on the Blue Frame Hoopsville, well, I'll try that again, Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, is the aforementioned Olivia Lett. Coach, welcome to the show. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, re real quick, it's, this has got to be fun because this hasn't been a one-year thing, a two-year thing. This is consistent now. You've got this team at the top of the CCIW. You're playing well in the non-conference schedule, and, and that's got to be paying dividends on top of that. Yeah, we've got a, a very experienced squad at this point. I feel like this is the first time I've really been able to say that. Uh, you know, our senior class is my first recruiting class. And so it's nice. We've kind of had a very similar starting lineup for the last two years. And, you know, that first year was cut short with it being the COVID season, uh, our first year that we were really ready to make a run. Uh, and then last year I ran into the buzzsaw that was Hope uh, and then brought, it, brought back a, a very similar squad this year. And so it's been a lot of fun, you know, like many of the teams this year we've been bitten by the injury bug here and there but feel like we're starting to catch steam a little bit okay sure we'll go with steam that's what you're catching um at this point i think you're beyond catching the steam you're harnessing it into power uh yeah i, I can understand you saying that this feels like it's now kind of yours now it feels like you know you've gotten your recruiting classes in there you guys have set up your system you're in your you're in what you want to do now and you're no longer a surprise. And what I think I and by mean by that is, so now no one knows you're, you're, you're oh, wait, Milliken's good. It, it, they know you're good and you're still winning. That's got to breed a lot of confidence. 
Yeah, you know, when we walk into into practice every day, it's just a different atmosphere. You know, uh, we've got the target on our back a little bit more. You know, we saw that this weekend. Uh, North Central gave us everything that we could ask for in that game. Uh, We're able to eke out a win. The last two years, they've gotten us up there. And so uh, great teams find ways to to get wins even when it's not pretty. And so we talked about that a lot on Saturday was – just figuring out how to get out of there with a win. And we had a lot of different people step up. You know, uh, Elise had a rough first half and, and came back to being herself in the second half. And uh, the good thing is we have a lot of weapons. And uh, they sometimes are understated, but typically there's somebody different that steps up almost every game. Obviously, the conference schedule means a lot. The beginning of the season was interesting. You guys challenge yourself. You go 3-3 three and three to get things underway. Losses to Stevens Point and Whitewater, a loss to Wash U, but wins over Coe, Illinois College, and Beloit. That felt like, I, I know that's kind of the aperitif, as it were, the appetizer to the conference schedule. What was your goal with those six games, and how are you still using them now as you're now fully neck deep in the conference? You know, we felt like this was one of our toughest non-conference schedules that we've had in my time here. Uh, and I knew that we we needed that, right? Last year when we saw Hope was one of the first times that we've seen a team anywhere close to that caliber. Uh, DePaul last year got us in the non-conference and really, I thought, surprised us uh, in terms of how physical it was. It felt like an NCAA game. Uh, CCIW games, NCAA games, they just have another level of physicality. And the Wisconsin schools all play at, at that level every night and that's why you see them beat up on each other and they beat up up on us to start the season too Uh, and I think that's paying dividends for us you know we went through we had Bailey Kaufman out for that stretch and so we had Sophie Darden and Abby Ratch and Sarah Ness all stepped in and got some big minutes in those games and so we came away with some losses but came away with a lot of experience too and now those three are, are three players that we know can step up at any given time. Dave, I can't hear you now. No, you're right, because I didn't hit the mute button. Good call. (laughs) Good call, Coach. Uh, Nobody could hear me. Um, Obviously, 10 straight wins since then was what I was talking about, and it's working out well. The CCIW is a bear. It's always tough at the top. What's the challenge now, though? Because it feels like the CCIW has changed a bit. Obviously, it's pivoted to you guys at the top, but what's the dynamic in conference now? And And we should let people know, if they don't, you know this well. You played in the CCIW at Illinois Wesleyan. What's how's this conference changed to now? I think that any given night, somebody can knock somebody off. And I know people said that when I played too, uh, but I do think it was very top and bottom heavy at that point. And it, it's not really anymore. Uh, now we've got different teams at the top. Uh, Carol and Augie and Wheaton was there when I was in school as well. But Carol and Augie are just. Uh, competitors that play at a really high pace too. Uh, Carol wasn't in the conference when I was a player, uh, but Augie has really uh, changed their speed and they've got some real talent there right now. Carol just brings another dynamic to the league too. And I think because any given night somebody can knock somebody off it it just makes it a lot different um you know there's not really very many easy games in the conference like I said the last two years we've lost to North Central and they finished at the bottom of the conference and so it really is anybody could beat anybody on any given night 
Well, of course, in conference play, it's it's familiarity too, which breeds in a whole nother aspect of that. Uh, 7-0, though, in first place in the conference, certainly playing well. I want to talk a little bit about the players. Let's start uh, with Knutson, uh, the All-American. Uh, ranks first in the NCAA in field goals made uh, as of the 13th of January, so a couple of days ago. First in points scored as well. Um, obviously, moving up the, the, the Millican scoring list, she's 14th all-time with 1,200 points plus in 59 games. Uh, I want to talk about a little bit of the side with her uh, in case, about NIL, but first, tell me about her as a player, what she's contributed to this team, what it's meant to this team, and how that how that's also kind of rippled down to everybody else. Elise is a special player, and I think anybody that sees her play, anybody that competes against her, anybody that plays with her would tell you the exact same thing. Uh, she just has something about her uh, that draws people to her and makes them want to compete with her and just can do some unbelievable things on the floor. And I think we saw that in the Wesleyan game. You know, just her excitement and her emotion really, really came through. Um, one of her more exciting games of her career. Uh, and I think just the, what she brings to the crowd, too, you know, everybody in the stands loves her, not just because of the way that she plays, but because of the way that she interacts with them. And I think that makes her even more of a special person and a leader for our team. And we talk a lot about uh, roles on our team. And there was an article that just went out about uh, Chelsea McCollum, and she really talked about that. And she said, you know, you need somebody to score 20 points a night. That's going to be Elise. You need somebody to take four charges a game. That's going to be Miranda. You need somebody to get defensive stops and a few baskets here and there. That's going to be me. And so they really – they really own their roles. And Elise has understood that her role is to score points for us. Uh, and she's got her nights where maybe it's not perfect. Uh, North Central being that the last couple of years, uh, you know, she was taking it tough in the first half. And I kind of pulled her aside and just said, kid, you got to relax and you got to enjoy this. And then she went eight for 11 in the second half. And so she's just one of those players that can do that at the drop of a hat. Talking with uh, Olivia Lett, head coach of Milliken. Uh, you talk about that article uh, with Chelsea McCollum. We'll link that on the show page a little bit later, but it talks a lot about the family atmosphere there, and you, you hinted at it a little bit. How much is that dynamic important, including the fact this is your first recruiting class, so in some cases they're the ones responsible for making sure whatever your vision was is put in place as bedrock, that you've got to be thrilled with how it's developed, but how important is that family? Yeah, they develop this culture. You know, you can you can say what you want as a coach, but if the players don't do it, uh, that's not it, it doesn't develop, right? Uh, they're the ones that are in the gym on Sunday getting treatment and getting shots up. Uh, they're the ones all summer that are getting in here, or all fall they're in here on the weekends. Uh, they're the ones that have a three seven one fall GPA uh, that already have job offers. That even when there's recruits on campus that aren't going to play with them as seniors, they're very involved in that recruitment process because they want the culture to live past them and they want it to be a family and they want it to continue. Uh, you know, last year, I, I really wanted to make sure that we enjoyed whatever part of the NCAA tournament that we got to do. And uh, we, we went out, we bought this giant speaker uh, named Betsy and we brought her with us everywhere uh, on the bus. We brought her into the gym. <laughs> Uh, we literally had a dance party for some of our practices. And so it, it just made some of those moments that everybody talks about, you know, afterwards you talk about the good old days. We try to make sure that we're enjoying the good old days while we're in them. And uh, I think that really helps create that family atmosphere. Oh, that is, that is awesome. Uh, I love that dynamic. Uh, again, I'll come back to Elise on something first, but again, on your senior class, one little note shared with me by your, your sports info guys, Bailey Kaufman missed the first 12 games 
Due to a broken jaw. First off, ouch. Second off, I'd be fascinated to find out if it's a good story. But third, how important is it to get her back in, clicking with the team, knowing that this is technically her November? Or am I wrong? Has she been a little bit more active than that? Oh, no, you're right. (laughs) She... Bailey is just a huge part of this team as a leader. Uh, she's figured out how to be more of a vocal leader too. You know, we talked about how, uh, you can be a leader by example, but that's assuming people are paying attention. And she really bought into that this year of being more of a vocal leader leader. And I think she was hitting her stride really as she got hurt. Uh, you know, she had 21 points when we had our exhibition game at Eastern Illinois and played really, really physical, uh, and was just had herself in really good shape. And then next day in practice, we're trying to take it a little bit lighter. We're in a non-contact three-man weave drill. And the group in front of her messed up. Uh, We're supposed to clear the court, didn't. And she ran into somebody and just smoked them. Uh, And so non-contact drill, uh, broke her jaw in two places, had to get plates put in, wired shut. Uh, Through Thanksgiving, got unwired. So That's, that's uncool. Yeah, it's not even a fun story other than the fact that there was a lot of blood. Yeah, oh, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure there was a cleaning session to, to beat all cleaning sessions on top of that. But ouch, my best to her. Glad to hear she's coming back. Um, to pivot somehow, and in a weird way, to back to Elise, she got an NIL deal. And I say it's a pivot to everybody who don't understand. She got it with a group called Peerless Cleaners. Um, I don't think they had anything to do with cleaning up that after that injury, but Listen, you're a former student athlete. I certainly was, but I was in the '90s. It, it you were kind of near the end of that old way of doing things, and now here's this new group with NIL deals and stuff. Division three, it's not that popular, but give us a little sense of, you know, her NIL experience and and what that has meant, maybe even in recruiting. Yeah, I think that it's something that, you know, she's obviously very involved in. I don't know all of the details with it. Uh, we're not really allowed to, but also at the Division three right. level. There's uh, there's only so many people to be involved with certain things that actually understand right. what's legal and what's not legal. And so, uh, you know, Peerless kind of came to the, her and, and wanted to do this. And so then we had to navigate through exactly what that looks like. And so, you know, she got a monetary NIL deal, which I don't think at the Division three level is happening very much. Uh, and so she was able to to get a couple thousand dollars. And I think that's something that as a Division three athlete is really cool uh, just to even be able to say that it, Obviously, it helps on the on a, on the money side of things. Uh, I think for us as a program, it looks good that we have somebody that's able to to get an NIL deal and that there's a, a business in town that wants to support our program in that way uh, and wants to support our student athletes in that way. I think the Decatur community in general has been phenomenal for our program. You know, we had an amazing crowd at our game against Wesleyan the other day, and that just shows the relationships that these women have made in the community as well. Oh, great perspective on that, and I appreciate it. You're right. Not a lot of Division Three uh, uh, athletes are getting them necessarily, but certainly a trend that could change. I think part of the NIL that not everybody realizes they can also just earn some money on the side. It just may not be through actual deals and stuff. It just opens up the playing field a little bit. We'd love to talk to you much more, obviously, but we're we're got to keep it running. But I do have a question about the rest of the conference schedule before we let you go. You're basically at that midpoint. You're You're now to the part where, okay, not only does everybody know you, but they've seen you already this year. Uh, how do you guys adjust? Do you make changes? What's the conversations like in the locker room and on the practice court? 
I think uh, this is a point in the season where, especially when we were younger, we saw, you know, you're in scouts more. And so when you're the third best player, fourth best player, fifth best player, you're not surprising anybody anymore. And I don't know that we were surprising anybody at any point in time in the season. Sure. And so uh, that's something where everybody's kind of been on the scout the whole time. Uh, I do think people have picked up bigger roles, Sarah Ness being one of them, Sophie Darden being another one. Uh, obviously, Abby Ratch coming off the ACL from last year, a bigger one. Sarah Isif transferring in was is a big addition for us from three and then Emily White. But I don't know that they've necessarily surprised anybody either. Uh, I think they've always been on the scout. And so it's really about focusing on being us and making people adjust to us first uh doing what we do every single day making sure that we don't get sloppy with those things you know the other day we were doing a, a shooting drill and all of a sudden we were just smacking the ball towards people instead of picking it up with two hands and snapping our passes and i think it's making sure that we don't get sloppy with those things because that's what's allowed us to get to this point but being able to adjust after people adjust to us uh not being too hypersensitive to that and changing what we do before we get to that point Makes perfect sense, and I appreciate that insight and understanding a little bit. Um, I would say maybe get some bubble wrap or those big bubbles that you can put around some players. You might not want to lose a couple at the run at the end. Just a thought. Yeah, I, I've heard that a few times is that maybe we should start uh, living in a bubble for the rest of the season. <laughs> well, we're all used to doing that to some degree. I, I just have this visual of those big bubble things at the uh, soccer games, whatever, are played and where people bounce around. But that might be a little awkward in a basketball practice. Uh, sorry about that. I, I hit an enter button and we lost everything. There we go. We're back. Uh, this is what happens when you produce by yourself. Coach, appreciate the time. Congratulations. Awesome uh, job with what you've been able to do at Milligan. Um, I know it's it's hard work and you've certainly made it look easy, But and I don't mean that as a negative. I mean, that has just been tremendous how you did that. Uh, as always, we give Coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? Uh, thank you for all that you guys do uh, supporting Division Three sports. I, I think it's huge uh, to give us the, the coverage that all these student-athletes deserve. So thank you to, for everything that you guys do. Well, thank you. It's a lot easier when coaches like yourself are willing to come on and talk. So we appreciate it yourself uh, as well. You take care of yourself is what I was trying to get to. Good luck the rest of the season. We'll look forward to talking to you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Olivia Lett joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoops Hotline. I should point out, by the way, coaches can't see me on these interviews due to a Zoom uh, change and an update that I should never have updated to. So they're doing yeoman's work hearing just this random voice coming through their computer. So I appreciate their time to do that. Real quick, they play Elmer's. That will be the last game of the front side of the double round robin in the CCIW. Uh, that's coming up on Wednesday. Uh, and then they will take on Augustana next Saturday at home. That starts the second half of the conference action. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll come back with NYU women's basketball. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More after this. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it.
It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. There are over 480,000 college athletes. Only 2% would go pro. That means over 470,000 will not get a shoe contract. No autographs. No private jets. No fan clubs. No Hall of Fame inductions. Instead, they will walk away with something much more valuable. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, as we continue to roll along on this uh, Monday evening. Jam-packed show, as it always is, but lots to talk about as well. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, hoopsville at D3Sports.com. That's certainly another way you can uh, join us on the show. I know we're on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. I'm sure if any of you are chatting with us, but appreciate it if you are nonetheless. Um, because the system just isn't cooperating with us. We're going to get to that in a bit. I'm actually jumping there now. No, no comments. So there you go. Don't have to worry about it. Uh, you can also email us, hoopsville at d3sports.com. That's hoopsville at d3sports.com. All right, so pivoting to talk about another women's basketball team that was making plenty of headlines and still is to some degree. New York University women's basketball team was the number one ranked team and still technically is as we broadcast this. Though I do know the new top 25 is done. It's just not published yet. And I do know, oh, there we go. I have it. Uh, they have fallen out of first place due to two losses this weekend on the road at Chicago and Wash U. They've officially fallen to eighth. The graphic's going to be wrong here. I had put question mark because I didn't know the number. But Gordon has gotten it to me. So we will at least update there that momentarily. The other part of the story is they were supposed to start their, be officially at home. Officially at home. To play basketball after six years of the Cole Center having been knocked down, then has been put on pause just when they were ready to open up the doors officially. So joining us to talk about all of that is Meg Barber, the head coach of the eighth-ranked New York Violets women's basketball team. Meg, first and foremost, thanks for taking the time to join us, especially after a tough weekend. I really appreciate that. This is the only interview that I would accept after the weekend, Dave. So thanks for having me. <laughs> wow. I don't, I take that as a sign of respect. So I'll take that. Thank That's you. Right. <laughs> I'll admit I sent the email on Friday before mm -hmm. you guys played. I'm like, we're just, we're confirming this folks. If I'm not trying to throw Megan under the bus here, but we were, we were trying to get her last week. We couldn't make it work. We, we, we arranged to have her this week. They took the loss and I went, mm, this could be tough. And then, and then they took the second one. I went, if she even replies to an email at this point in time, I'll be <laughs> shocked. But she did. Let's just get that out of the way first. We'll talk about the gym in a minute. Tough weekend. 
Chicago, I think, is a bigger surprise. Washu's good. Chicago's still kind of reeling a little bit from a coaching change not so long ago. What is it just because it's the UAA? Is it because it was the first real long road trip you guys had? What, what were the dynamics there? I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head just talking about the UAA. Um, it's, you know, the league is just stacked this year. So, um, and they outplayed us, you know, kudos to Maria and and her team. You know, they they were ready from the jump. It was a really slow first quarter. I think it was 12-12. And, you know, we're, we're used to averaging over 80 points. So um, some of the confidence and kind of some of the juice we play with is um, predicated on, you know, just scoring and kind of getting into our defensive transition and pressing and um, modes like that. So I think we were a little bit stagnant, but... Um, you know, they put together a solid four quarters. They never wavered. Um, it was a great crowd. We had Coach K in the stands. Um, so that was a little bit disappointing to <laughs> take an L with him sitting there. But, um, you know, just a lot of juice in that gym. And I think it was a great environment to play in and just get us, you know, prepared for what's ahead. Yeah, we should point out uh, Coach K's uh, grandson plays for the men's team. We've seen him mm-hmm. now in pictures at Roanoke College. And now we see he travels to Chicago. I mean, who doesn't? I'm from Chicago. I would travel there too, um, and to 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 see the the team in action. And I can understand that might have might have winced a little bit. Pivoting, so you lose. Okay, that's always usually a wake up call. Maybe that's the that's the fact that it's you wash you on the other side that doesn't make that helpful. If it was flipped, maybe it goes your way and you come away from the weekend one and one. You end up going 0-2. Is it just that that wasn't enough of a of a trigger to get past WashU? You know, we had a – it's not an excuse. We had a really interesting weekend. We had a stomach bug going through both the men's and women's teams. So we actually left eight travel party members in Chicago. Um, the rest of the team went ahead to WashU. Um, we weren't sure kind of what we would have come Sunday. We did get, you know, pseudo get those players back. Um and the men's players back. And, you know, even our athletic trainer was, you know, just kind of overseeing that, the challenges of that. So it was it was a little bit more trying than just a normal grind of, you know, Chicago, travel to St. Louis and play again. Um, but same thing there. I mean, I think right now, you know, we told that we've been telling the team all year we have a target on our back. And I think we've taken a lot of, um, you know, um, amazing punches from a lot of teams that, the, in the non-conference schedule. And obviously now the UAA is – you know, has our number and they're, they're coming to get us. So I think it's, um, you know, just something we have to be ready for, for from tip. Um, we performed fairly well. We didn't shoot well at wash. And again, the, it was just a kind of an off weekend shooting wise um, for who we typically are. So we, the girls were back in the gym today and, um, you know, going forward, we're just really focused in on our defense to make sure that we're not relying on our outside shooting to win games. It certainly makes sense. Um, it is, I mean, it is a, tra- a challenging travel, but the worst is obviously Rochester and Emory. Yeah. Uh, when you have to make that trip. Um, yeah. And granted, others have to make the New York to Boston trip. So mm-hmm. there are some similarities. Granted, uh, St. Louis and Chicago are, are further away. It's part of the grind. You guys all know that. But is there a, also a side of it knowing there isn't a playoff? to make up for those kinds of losses, like possession yourself and you can avenge that. Now you're literally down the two games. The rest of the conference schedule takes on a whole nother look. I, I certainly for our coaching staff, it does, you know, we don't, we don't talk a lot about, um, you know, looking at the overall season where we're a one game at a time team. And so we have Emory, 
who's playing outstanding. We have Rochester on Sunday. Um, it's another huge weekend. The the UA is really stacked this year and, and obviously yeah. really tremendous coaches. So the I think, you know, you want to pull some road wins and and certainly then protect protect your your home base when you have teams coming into New York. So um, you know, that's the biggest thing for us, but it, it certainly the road doesn't get any easier, you know, looking ahead. And we do get another shot at Wash and, and Chicago, who are both playing very well. I think Wash, you know, Maya Arnott was their top post player was out for a while when they took a couple losses, but they are um, a, a really hot team and, um, you know, play really tough. It was a very low scoring game. They, they, they play great defense. So again, I think for us, it's not relying on, you know, hitting outside shots and just, you know, making sure that we can get it done on the defensive side of the ball. You talk about being able to, to make it up as it were against, uh, wash you in Chicago at home. Mm-hmm. but you're supposed to open up the new place on <laughs> Friday. What we've been told is that a pipe burst somewhere mm-hmm. over, under, beside, doesn't really matter, flooded the brand new court. Uh, I'm going to guess, and you would know a lot more than this, when I hear a pipe burst and it flooded the court, I go, well, the court's gone for the season. Maybe it's not that bad but you're not going to be able to start on Friday. You're going to have to go back to Brooklyn where you guys have been playing for the last few years. What happened? And at least you weren't home, but what happened? So you, you pretty much said what I know, you know, we, I actually have a meeting about it this Wednesday, um, you know, talking about pivoting and just <laughs> figuring out uh, what our next moves are and and how long-term the, you know, the damage or the, you know, whatever we're fixing is, is going to be. So we know we won't be there this weekend. We're hopeful we can salvage um, the court enough to to be there at the end, but I don't know the ins and outs of that right now. Certainly, you know, for our team, the the resiliency, basically since I've coached here, we've been a road, you know, every game yes. has been a road game in a sense. So um, in some ways our team is used to that. We, the Brooklyn facility that we play in, we may or may not practice there one time the entire week, um, wow. you know, just due to classes and things like that. So, um, the the biggest thing with the facility is I'll be very disappointed for our players just because it's transformational in terms of their day to day, you know, going to class and the facility is two blocks away. Yep. Um, but you know they're they're mature they're kind of used to the grind that we've been going through and so I'm sure that they will navigate it as best they can. I mean, again, the the advantage is that you're playing in a place that you've been playing at, so there's no change there. It's You're part of the structure and the schedule that you were going to have. You hadn't switched necessarily, right, to to the new place. So you haven't – you're not going back after getting used to something new or even starting something new, right? So essentially it's just elongating what you're already doing. Yeah, we played UAA games last year at St. Francis, Brooklyn. Right. Um, They have since sold – that space. So we are looking at it, you know, if need be going back oh. to the Tandon, um, you know, the, the other facility that we've been using in Brooklyn, it's just a little bit smaller. Um, so we'll just have to navigate, you know, fans and, and kind of how we do that. But um, you're right. It's, it's where we played our non-conference game. We had a great game against Bowdoin um, on December 30th and it was a sellout. So, you know, the, the stands were packed. So it'll be a, you know, kind of like a mini Cameron, like there's not going to be a seat in there for a UA game that's available. Um, and so that way I think, you know, there'll be a lot of energy in the gym, but we're hopeful that the new facility does get off the ground um, for us, you know, towards the end of UAA play. Is that the one where you guys have the NYU floor? 
Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's not the St. Francis, Brooklyn location. That's right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah, again, I, I, as I told Jeff Bernstein, your, your esteemed SID yeah. communications guy, I said, uh, I couldn't keep track of where you were at any point in time because I couldn't yeah. figure it out. And then all of a sudden, an NYU f- floor showed up in pictures and I started looking around <laughs> going, wait, but they're, they're not in the new, and it got even more confusing that I just dropped it. I said, forget it. I don't care. <laughs> I just know they're not, I know where they're not. Yeah. We've counted. This is our, this is our fifth, fifth game site we've used in the last four seasons. So yeah. Jeez. Um, yeah. by the way, what's the new place supposed to be called? I I've lost track. The Paulson center. Yes. Paulson center. I, I'm still gonna have Cole center in my head. I know for a little longer, <laughs> a little bit similar, um, a little smaller, a little bit. Yeah. It looks, it, 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 it's a little bit reminiscent, although much more high tech and sure. nicer um, of Kohl's. So it does, it definitely has that same feel. <laughs> Do we still get and to I, walk in off the ground floor and look down into it? You can go downstairs and it does have like a, a track around the okay. upper level, you know, where you could walk out, but the bleachers and everything are, are about the floor is four levels below the street. Okay, so it's similar. I, I loved when you could walk in coal and look down. I know you guys yeah. haven't seen coal, but I did. I got there before it closed down. Yeah. Uh, let me talk about your team before we let you go, because I do want to talk about the details. We talked about the generics. I want to talk about the details a little bit. You're led by three players in double figures. Uh, Natalie Bruns at, four, at 14 and a half, 13 plus from Bell. Uh, Pelechia? Pelechia. Pelechia. See? Ah, 50-50 chance. Sorry. <laughs> close, Sorry, Bill. Uh, Jenny Walker at about 11 points a game. We should point out, Bruns is just a shade shy of a double-double on average. She has 9.1 rebounds. Walker brings in 6.5 herself. And and that's not all the contributions. Those are just the three that are in double figures in terms of points. Give me a sense of how this team works, clicks. You're outscoring your opponents, I think, by 27 points a game despite the two losses. Give me a sense of what this team is and how important last year's run is, is fueling them. You know, we we returned everybody from last year. So in in a lot of ways, um, those players have only gotten better. We we did lose Jordan Janowski, our starting point guard last year, to an ACL tear um, in September. Uh, we also lost a backup post player, Reese Trimitriere, um, to an ACL tear. And then one of our assistant coaches tore her ACL. And I said, I apologize, but I'm glad it's you because I was like waiting for the right <laughs> things happen in threes and it was an assistant coach. So Take um, a coach over a player any time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No offense to our assistant, but no, um, no, no. You know, so <laughs> we have a role, take, coach. They yeah. have a role. <laughs> <laughs> we've ta- we've definitely taken a few hits, but the you know the three you alluded to, Nally Bronze, Shenny Walker, Bell Pluckia, are just you know I think any one of them could be any other team's MVP, and you know it's kind of like our big three. Um, I don't know if I had a choice of which one to pick first. Um, I, I wouldn't know who to pick. They they just complement each other so well very different. Um, we, we play with a lot of height due to, to Bruns and Jenny Walker. Um, and certainly Bell is just a very, very explosive guard. Um, so, you know, everything kind of plays off of them. We have a lot of great supporting role players, um, shooting, you know, players coming off the bench. I think right now, one of the bigger keys for us is just getting a little bit deeper, um, especially just with the grind of the, the back-to-backs and the weekend travel and things, 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 things,
Interesting um, take at it. I mean, obviously losing those players from such a pivotal run is tough, but you lost them early enough to give mm-hmm. your team kind of that time to build back from it and get better. And and you did make it to number one. Let's be honest. That is no small feat, especially mm-hmm. in Division Three women's basketball where Hope has dominated that category. And there are mm-hmm. certainly others like Amherst and the like who have dominated the number one ranking in recent years. I know you guys, at least from the outside, made a big deal of that. How big a deal was it internally? Um, you know, I was happy for our players. Just, you know, they, I think anytime you can just get that recognition, I said, you know, the the most important one is the last one, right? So, you know, last year we made a great run. And, you know, I think the the rankings in some ways, you know, can help build confidence, um, but we, we, I thought this year did earn that spot. So I think for them, it was, you know, a recognition of the work they had put in and the run really reflective of the run they made last year, returning everybody from, from that team. Um, but you know, the biggest thing for us is where we end up in March. So, um, we did, you know, we made a big deal about it. I think partly because I consistently as a player had to see Washu's name at the top of the D3 hoops, uh, top 25. So I finally got to... <laughs> Be on a team that was was on yeah. top of you know the rest of the league, but they exactly um, no, their you know, though. Yeah, so it's um, you know, it's it's just it's I'm really proud of our players for like I said, you know, not having a facility, the the resiliency they show, and um, certainly their eye is on you know this weekend right now, and and hoping to be able to have a single digit ranking when we get to the end of the thing this year. Yeah, it would certainly be great. And obviously building off that Elite Eight run from last year would be fun to see you guys uh, get to the next level as well. Uh, congratulations. I could talk forever with you about this, but uh, we need to let you go, though you have a beautiful backdrop. I could keep looking at that in a little longer. Um, Brooklyn. And, and I know you want to figure out what floor you might be playing on sometime in the near future. Uh, hopefully it's not as bad as as I fear, but we know eventually you'll be there and and that'll be fun nonetheless. Uh, thanks for the time. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those tuned in? I, you know, I just appreciate all that you guys are doing to keep an eye on, you know, Division Three, even the new rule changes and seeing your presence on social media. You know, there's I think there's a lot of excitement ahead, you know, for D3 hoops. And um, I also want to give a shout out to our league that has already obviously challenged us, but it's it's absolutely stacked. And I'm really excited to just be a part of a great group of coaches and a lot of talented student athletes and excited for both the road trips and whatever our home home court quote advantage is as we go into uh, the next couple games. So home, whatever court we are on advantage. <laughs> yeah. That's a little different. I mean, that is an advantage to some degree. Yeah. Nobody else knows what floor you're on either. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> hey Meg, thanks for the time. Take care. Good luck the rest of the way. Let us know uh, what you guys end up finding out about the floor. Cause I think there's a lot of people who are interested. We're looking forward to NYU's new place and uh, in the, in the rest of the season, enjoy it. And we'll talk soon. Thanks Dave. Appreciate it. Meg Barber joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate her taking the time to do so. And uh, bum news about the court. But we're, we'll hope for the best and hope that they get uh, at least something they can play on, um, relatively speaking, uh, here in the near future. But, uh, I mean, I don't mean this sarcastically. It may have come across that way. But what's, what's one more season at this point? Though you feel for the seniors. You would feel for the seniors if they don't get a chance to, to get on that new court and enjoy it.
We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll jump back into Wisconsin, talk to Wisconsin lacrosse. By the way, I have a question. You know how we shortcut Wisconsin Stevens Point to UWSP? Why don't we shortcut Wisconsin lacrosse to UWLC? It's UWL. I've always, as a result, spelled it like the sport with no space, but there is a space. I digress. We'll take a break. Kent Dernbach will join us to talk about his team and what they're doing in lacrosse. And don't forget, still ahead, we'll talk men's basketball top 25. Gary Stewart will join us from Stevenson to talk about the NABC on this Martin Luther King Day. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More after this. Coach of the Year, Administrator of the Year, All-America Team, Wade Trophy. The WBCA doesn't just honor coaches but players, administrators, and much more. The WBCA strives to honor those who have contributed to the advancement of women's basketball. Celebrate the present, honor the past, look to the future. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure. The game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go on a personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. Oh, welcome back to, oh, I, I missed punch there. You don't need to see Kent just yet. I, I gave away the farm. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Your host, Dave McHugh. I am Dave McHugh. I'm not the better looking one who you see on this show, but I am here. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3sports.com. You can join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We're live simulcasting the show. Of course, you can listen to the podcast. And if you are, thanks for tuning in. That's a pretty solid group of you who do that every, every show. 
Uh, we appreciate it. However you're watching us, whether or listening to us, whether it's SoundCloud, Apple, Google, oh, tune in. There's a whole mess of them. And if there's any that you use that we aren't on for some reason, let us know. We'll make sure we get our, ourselves pointed in the right direction. I'm now realizing I made a mistake. I decided not to rehang any new jerseys today because I wanted our new ones that would have not had a lot of, of hang time to get attention. But that one should have been changed for our next guest not that they've lost to him, but it's a conference rival, and that's just not fair. I, I have lots of other I could have hung. I apologize now to the Wisconsin lacrosse faithful who have to look at a Platteville uniform during this segment. It is what it is, and we move on. Wisconsin lacrosse men's basketball having a pretty good season, though took a loss to Oshkosh this weekend. In what I can only consider is not... Uh, it's always a, a very challenging WIAC schedule and a WIAC conference. But it feels different this year. So joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline to discuss it all, as it were, and let me know what I do or do not know, uh, is Kent Durback, the head coach of the Lacrosse Eagles. First and foremost, Kent, thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate your time. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. And, you know, you look at a jersey like that, and you're just like, well, that's Carter Volker. So Carter Volker graduated a few years back and yeah. you know what number certain guys are and i'm about 99 percent sure that's what it is he was a player of the year in this league and and i think you might it. be right yeah when he was yeah. when that stuff gets burnt in that yeah. stuff gets burnt in and sometimes it's not it's burnt in not not for a good way right that's no just how i hear it, that yeah I, I know a few players like that myself mm -hmm. um in my years over the uh, in time curious uh, of course for you it's a little bit more because you you've been in the wyack for quite some time now and so yeah. your, your history goes deep despite your young look, sir. Yeah, I was, I was actually texting with somebody the other day. I'm like, this is now, this is now year 12, uh, you know, in this league. And, and then, you know, before that, growing up, I went to all these, the Bob Parker basketball camps, the Jack Bennett basketball camps, being from central Wisconsin. So I follow this league uh, and it's, it's, it's always been good. You know, and to your point, you know, to your point, it's, it's another really solid year, you know, this year, you know, some, so I'm, I'm sure you're going to chat a little bit about, you know, where where the league is and where it stands amongst other leagues and things like that. But at the end of the day, it's great basketball, right? It, it's great basketball. And um, so fortunate, you know, certainly to grow up watching this league and then get a chance at Stevens Point to be an assistant coach there for six years with Coach Sam. And then, you know, now coming over here, it's amazingly been six years here, one year as an interim and five years as as the permanent guy. Admittedly, I've lost track. I was wondering that the other day, and I had to look it up to double check because, to some degree, I still feel like you're 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 still new at lacrosse. But on another side, I realized no, it's been some time. You've definitely established things, and that's and, and that's something to consider because again, you're undersembling uh, at at Stevens Point, and I'm not dwelling on this, but you were there, and it basically pivoted out right as everything kind of was complicated. Yep, yep. Uh, at Stevens Point. But you made an immediate impact. I think that's what jumped out to me. I got used to you as a, an assistant coach, and I knew you had yeah. a huge impact on the pointers. But were you surprised even by how big an impact you made at lacrosse almost out of the gate? Well, we had a great group coming back, right? That's, you know, I think coaches will say that. Um, yes. But it's, when it's true, it's true, right? We had a, we had, we had guys, Talbish McCray. Um, Brendan Manning. Now we weren't picked, right? That first year, that interim year coming over. And I, you know, I coached 39 straight games as an interim head coach. I'm not sure that can ever be touched again by anybody <laughs> at, at any level. It's true. I forgot about that fact. You talk about, you talk about some, 
some restless nights, you know, with it when, when you're coaching 39 straight as an interim. But my, my thank God for my wife, right? We're, we're, <laughs> yes. Settling me down a little bit. But, but um, we had some guys that didn't play, you know, prior to me coming over. And not that they, they should have played or anything like that, but they rose up. And, right. and with Talbot McCray, it was Talbot McCray, Brendan Manning, and Ben Meinholz, along with a couple other guys. And we had them. Um, we won a few more games than than maybe we were th- thought they did. You know, they 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 bought into the defensive end, and then it led to an NCAA tournament. You know, that second year, and that did happen. You know, earlier than maybe what we thought. You know, Dave, and um, but it it, it starts. You got to have guys that buy into a system, and Talvish and Brendan and Ben. You know, those three guys in particular really bought in bought into our system. Yeah, no, uh, fair point. You obviously you had the horses, as it were, coming in, uh, mm-hmm. but still, it takes some time to adjust to a new coaching staff and a new ideals. You certainly know the system coming over. I totally forgot that you came in as an interim after being in an interim for what was it, twelve, thirteen games? Yeah, uh, 13 at Stevens. Games, yeah. yeah, at Stevens Point. Uh, I totally forgot you were the interim at Lacrosse until you were officially hired uh, uh, there because. Yeah, you know who doesn't forget that, that day? You know one of who doesn't forget that? That's that's my wife who lets me know that she was a single mom for for 8 months with two daughters over there while I lived in an apartment here. So, um there's there's cards that can be played in a in a relationship and I will never never uh she'll never not play that one, right? She always yeah. has the cards when it comes to that. Yeah, good point. Uh, actually, real quick before we, we go to the rest of it, did you did you oh did you ever feel at any point that you weren't gonna be the lacrosse head coach or that the interim thing was literally gonna be interim or are not to dwell on it, but that the Stevens Point thing might catch up in some way that I don't know about and and could, could cause could cause issues. Um, when I came over here, uh, you know, the rehash pretty quickly, it, it, when I came over here, I, I didn't know what it could be. I mean, how the heck could I leave to go to an interim spot? And it truly was, I mean, there was no indication Kim Bloom. I had a feeling, I had a feeling that, Hey, we could do something here, but if you've been on our campus, Dave, and when our academic standards are academic standard, it's pretty darn high, right? For a public institution, it's pretty, pretty special. And then our university and, and our campus and all that stuff. It's like, well, this is worth a chance. And my wife went to lacrosse. So she knew it. She's like, well, yeah, you're an idiot. Of course, it's really nice. So you need to go over there and take the opportunity. And because of that, we took a chance, right? Because I thought I thought it could be something special. And the thing is, Dave, like, could we fundraise at a really, really high level? And could we recruit the best players in the state and not just recruit them, get commitments from them? And, and we're still seeing the benefit of that. Ethan Anderson and Craig Steele were part of our first recruiting class when we came here. And, and those guys now um, through five years have been the main reason why this program has had its best five-year run in 112 years, 113-year history, right? Ethan Anderson and Craig Steele are, are a huge reason for that, along with obviously every uh, other guys that we've had, players that we've had. But those guys have stayed the course and they've risen you know, the, the standard you know, of where we want to be. And you talked about this past weekend. Yeah, we had, a, we had a tough weekend. But you know why we had a tough weekend? Because there's some emotion involved that something's on the line, right? You want to play in games where it means something, right? Where it means something. And, and our guys over, over the past years have played in games and they've, they've put themselves in positions where games mean something, where if you lose, you know you lost out on something. And if, you, and if we come up, 
we come forward with it and we, we, we get the W when we play well, then you did something special. And, um, and that's what we're trying to continue to do, right? That's every, every coach's job is like, can you get your team to have an emotion at the end of the year, good or bad, but that means you're playing for something and you're knocking on the door. And that's what we try to do each year. Oh, fair point. By the way, just a side note, I think your wife might have said idiot, or at least mine does for a lot of different reasons. Yeah. I don't know, but I can see why she would have said it about taking the gig. But just, I'm assuming that's not a unique occurrence. No, 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 no. And I have four daughters that will remind me. Um, if, you're up if to she, four now, sir? Yeah. Oh, yeah, guy. Oh, yeah. You see this? Oh, you're crazy. This was the, we had to finish this off because I needed just a spot for two minutes, maybe every now and then with it. Uh, yeah, we'll get right to it here. Hold yeah. on. Uh, let's talk about the team. Uh, off yeah. to a 9-0 start. It was tremendous. Um, wins over St. John's and Marietta. Guilford, huge win, uh, mm. certainly in hindsight. When then got into conference play, Whitewater and Eau Claire took hit wins. Um, but then December 10th, kind of in the last eight, you've 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 gone 500, 4-4. Mm. Four four. Trine yep. and St. Mary's of Minnesota have taken you. Um, Oshkosh this past Saturday. And, and Platteville. Uh, and the Platteville and Oshkosh games at home and Platteville by – Sorry, what's the different dynamic other than its conference play? Well, I mean, all four of our losses now have come at home, right? Where you're, where you're like, well, you're not going to have a very good year if you're, if you're losing games at home. Fortunately, we're, you know, we're ten and zero away from Mitchell, and and we had that experience of going out to Marietta and playing in front of a great crowd there, and then and then trying, you know, able to get Guilford on our home court, and then you know, starting that week off getting St. John's, right? So like. We were there now. You know, if you would tell me like we're going to go three and zero in that in that first stretch after losing three seniors, um, and you know, close to ninety minutes a game, I certainly would have been very, very excited. I mean, I was excited about it. I'm not sure I was ex expecting that, you know, Dave. But but you know, things happen. We we shot the ball so well, you know, early on. We were we were close to a. You know, uh, we were a fifty forty, you know, plus eighty team from the foul line, and if you do that. You're not going to lose a whole lot of basketball games if you're guarding a little bit, right? And that's what we were doing. We were guarding just a little bit there, but our offense was winning games for us. And um, but for for the first first years we've been here, are we weren't that dynamic on that end? But when you're not that dynamic on the offensive end, you got to guard, right? You really, really have to be able to defend. And I think that then in hindsight, that probably set us back a little bit. And uh, the, there's new new experiences every year as a coach that you learn, and that's certainly one of them. Is I didn't realize how much being being um, efficient on the offensive end and putting five guys out there would maybe hinder our defensive mentality. And then we've shown spurts of getting that back. Um, and then and then and then you know with it, Dave, just like every team, you know, Meg was just on here talking about ACL injuries and and so many things. We've had some injuries, and we've been having to learn how to play through those you know, a little bit with, um, with some different sort of, um, um, how guys can get their own shot or maybe not be able to get their own shot now with their injury. And so we're battling and that's, it's a tough thing to learn when you're, when you're in, in the, in the thick of things and you're playing programs that are well coached, you know, like everybody in our league and, and, and starting off with trying and St. Mary's who certainly have gone on to have some pretty nice seasons, right? It's not like, it's not like they haven't uh, they haven't earned those victories, you know, against us. They've gone on and beat some other programs too. 
Oh, absolutely. All four teams that we talked about there, yeah. or except maybe Plantville, and to be honest, I, I don't think that's fair either, are mm-hmm. in the conversation. I got to see Plantville in Vegas, and they're a pretty darn good team. And yeah. as you said, and we'll probably be talking about them here coming up in the next segment, Trine and St. Mary's, uh, and obviously Oshkosh in that conversation. But speaking of it, I, I want to get to the WIAC in a second. I don't want to pivot too too early. Mm-hmm. That I mean, we got to get you back to your daughters. Uh, I mean, back to your break before your daughters. Um, yeah. But I do want to talk about the team real quick. Austin Wester is leading the team at 15 points a game. Anderson, Ethan Anderson at 14 points a game. Craig Steele at 10 points a game. Um, and there's plenty of other contributors because if you look at it, double digits in terms of guys playing, I think you're about 11 or 12 deep in that category. Mm-hmm. Give me a sense of that trio and what the rest of the team is like. Obviously dealing with injuries, but what's how, how does this team click when they're on the floor and what, what makes them special? Well, when you can put five guys out there that can pass, catch, and shoot it, right? You have a chance to be special on the offensive end. What we what we have uh, we're trying to work through right now is when it becomes a low possession game, or um, you know, or when we're not making shots. Are we still willing to grind it out? Quite frankly, you know, it it it's out there, right? Um, Ethan Anderson is an All American, right? He was an All American last year for two straight years. He's a three time CC. I mean, uh, um, a WIAC, um uh, all perform uh, deja right? vu. Yeah, yeah, right. I know the CC. I, um, <laughs> I got Quillman in my in my mind here, or something. But but I have. Uh, but then, um, in addition to that, he was run up for probably the player of the year the last two years, and he's dealing with one torn hip labrum. You know that happened sometime early on, and it started kind of affecting him. You know, maybe late November, early December, and now since that time, he's torn the other one. And and I can say it because I've talked to him about it. That now, and he's out there battling. But the thing is, we talk about, can you score the ball at different ways, right? Ethan was an All-American because he could shoot it. He could he could, he could, could go off the bounce a little bit. He could post up and he could cut. Plus, he could guard an offensive rebound, right? So you could score it all different ways. Well, he probably can't maybe do one or two of those ways as well anymore, but he's good enough to do other things. And when he's out there and he's still giving us 15 points a game in this league, and when you know he's the number one guy in the scouting report, that goes to show you how special that young man is. Right. And he's had now games where he's had six, seven assists where he never had to touch that before because he was able to get his own shot. But, you know, in addition to that, Austin Westra, you know, a senior for us at a kid that's just waited his turn. He's starting to get a great feel. And, you know, Craig Steele, you know, another great story with torn ACL. He had a rehab on his own through the pandemic. Just amazing things, right, that these Division three athletes do. But all of that together, along with, you know, um, along with a Will Furman, you know, for us, or a Jake Gross, a Torrin Hannah, Henry Newt, and the list goes on and on. They're college basketball players that know how to play, and we just have to feel comfortable that we can use one another. We can screen for one another. We can set screens for one another. We can use screens for one another. We can make plays for one another. And when we do that, we're pretty darn dynamic. When we don't do that, then, then, then we're just an average team, right? We're an average team, but it's, it's, it's a year, Dave, that we are an unfinished product. We're going to get better as the year goes on. And in fact, I think we're going to be a better team come into February with what we're dealing with with Ethan than we would have been if he would be healthy because it's going to rely on having five guys out there consistently you know, that are threats and can trust one another. When we get to that point, and I have no doubt we're going to get to that point. When we get to that point, that's going to be pretty special. And and I've seen that work 
you know, during my time at Stevens Point, right? I mean, it's it's it, that's that that's a recipe for success when you can put five guys and come guys with off the bench, you know, that feel comfortable and confident out there. Yeah, certainly makes sense uh, in that realm. And and listen, four losses at home, it stinks, but in a twisted way, if you're going on the road to, in the conference tournament, or if you're lucky enough to get to the NCAA tournament, you know that you're comfortable being on the road. Talk about the WIAC for me mm-hmm. for a second uh, before we let you go. Listen, we're used to two, maybe even three teams in the top 25 conversation. It feels a little different this year. You got Oshkosh leading the way at 5-1 in conference, but they're 12-5 and overall. You're 4-2 and along with Platteville. You're 13-4. and They're 11-6. and Whitewater's 3-3. Three and They're 12-5. and Eau Claire's 3-3. Three and They're 11-6. and There's no, it doesn't feel like there's any world beaters. Now, that's also across Division Three. don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Is it... Is it different? Is it just a lot of good teams this year that are going to beat up on each other, or are we missing some of the diamonds that we should be watching for? Well, I, you know, I think um, there's each year has graduation, right? Where you know we graduated three guys. Obviously, Platteville graduated a great group. Um, you know that was that was with Coach Guard there for you know for four or five years, and losing Eddie Minchet at um, you know at Oshkosh and the depth there, you know that that comes, and and then you know you can, you kind of go down the list. River Falls lost their starting point guard and Noah Hansen, who averaged 20 points a game, um, like in a scrimmage, almost like in the same day, one to a torn Achilles and one to an ACL. And when that stuff happens, it's like, okay, you're not going to recover right away, right? It's going to take time. It's going to take time to develop those things. And I think that's what you're seeing right now with so, some of our non-conference stuff is, is one where um, a lot of these teams, a lot of our, our league has to play on the road, right? We got to be able to go find games, you know, on the road. We try to play some good competition. In addition to that is when you're doing that, and 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 we had a lot of, lot of programs that graduated a number of really, really good players, it's going to take a little bit. And, um, you know, you saw Platteville, you saw Platteville out in Vegas. Um, you know, they're coming together pretty darn nice, uh, really, really nice. And and you would expect that, right? You'd expect that out of a well-coached team. And you know the same thing's going to happen to Oshkosh and, and Whitewater. And, and I mean, um, I'm going to take the smile off my face, but you think about, you know, what Whitewater dealt with, 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 with Mr. Derek Gray. And, and that's an all-league player who averaged 20 points a game, right? You just don't recover from things like that, Um uh, immediately, right? It takes time, and and for them to go out and get Heidelberg early on, it's a heck of a win on the road, right? So, you know, I I I don't want to say that our, our league is is any more down or up than other years. Yeah, we don't we don't have somebody that's ranked as high, and we took a couple losses in the non conference, but you know, like any league, we think it's great, right? We think our league is great, and and it certainly proves to be that kind of night in night out. Oh, no. I mean, it's still a darn competitive conference. It's still one of the better ones out there, and you can't overlook a WIAC school. It's just interesting at this point to see that many losses, and that's not a knock. It's just the evolution. And and again, when you talk about Division Three, there's so much parity now that more losses, I think, are a little bit more common to begin with. Uh, Got to let you go, mainly because I want to give you some time to yourself. Um, and I appreciate the time you gave us. Uh, any, As always, we give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who might be tuned in? I <coughs> Kind of, we were talking about this before, Dave, but uh, it's so special, you know, when you when you're around college basketball to have families be able to come in, right? To have really good uh, 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 and be able to follow their kids. That's what's so great about you know recruiting local and things like that. They come in and three hours away, mom and dads can be able to come there. But the same is true, right? For for coaches, uh, athletic trainers, 
um, athletic directors, SIDs, you know, all of that stuff. And, uh, you know, you mentioned your dad being 85 and losing him. Like, that's really special stuff to have somebody in your life that long. And um, uh, it, there's so many unique things about Division Three, And certainly one of the most unique things about Division Three is that it really is a family, right? It really is a family. You have families within your program. Uh, our, our, our program is a family and it's a community. And the Division Three, the Division Three community is a family, right? Where you're, we're there for one another, and we do support one another. And it's just so darn unique, right? To be able to, to be able to do that because we all do this for the love of the game, right? We all do this for the love of the game and the student athletes. And you know, condolences to you and what you've been, what you've been dealing with and with it. And I think it just highlights another thing that's so special about this level. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. No, I agree with you. I think that is what I've always found special uh, about this level is is the camaraderie and the family, win or lose. Um, it's across the board. We see that even post-game of some of the biggest games that we see every year, including the title game. There's that family atmosphere, even uh, in defeat. So uh, thanks for the time. Good luck the rest of the way. Appreciate the kind words. Um, good luck the rest of the season. I, I know we'll be watching you guys and look forward to seeing uh, how it all plays out. And uh, enjoy, enjoy your daughters, sir. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Here's Ken Dernbach joining us. I can't believe it's sixth sixth season as head coach at Wisconsin Lacrosse. Congrats to him and the team. We'll look how it plays out. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll get the top twenty five panel together and discuss a little bit of what we just talked about with Ken. You're listening to Hoops Hole presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. These are your teams, your players, your community of fans. This is where they play, where they practice, where you cheer at every meet, every event, every game. Your community is passionate, dedicated, supportive. You know the tension of a close game and the thrill of the win. So while you're cheering, keep an eye out for anything out of the ordinary. If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities. used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. 
I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go on a personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, as we continue to roll along this Monday on a jam-packed Monday. Uh, we're only slightly behind, though. I'm a little proud of myself, to be honest with you, but I'm sure it's about to go off the rails. Uh, coming up next, we'll talk to our Top 25 panel. Still ahead, Gary, Steve, uh, Gary Stewart of Stevenson will join us. He's the NABC president, head coach of the Stevenson Mustangs, and we'll talk we'll talk about a few things on this MLK Day. Um, I appreciate Gary coming on. Uh, running a little bit late to get to that, but we'll get to him after our top 25 chat new top 25 is out on the men's side And by the way uh, i believe it may be out on the women's side i know it's in the process of being posted it is out new number one on the women's side is trinity texas getting 17 first place votes transylvania is second christopher newport third for those of you who didn't catch the interview nyu has fallen to eighth off their two losses the new top 25 on the men's side of course leads with st joseph's of connecticut followed by randolph macon 19 and 6 respectively in first place votes mount union really the top six didn't change at all though some votes certainly changed in points uh as always and i say that a little tongue-in-cheek because it doesn't always work out we uh go to the top 25 panel on a weekly basis on those who love the women's side we will be getting to that i am working to uh, dial that up for Thursday, and we'll dive in with our guys on Thursday about it. But on the men's side, we're going to go to a different panel than we had last week, which is just awesome and unique and all that. And joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, it is Ryan Scott, it is Bob Quillman, and it is Ryan Winnable for the first time this year. Sirs, thank you for joining us. I appreciate it. Welcome aboard. And uh, it bonkers as always, uh, Bob, I'll start with you because I, I know you've been neck deep. It is just crazy this time of year, and it's, it feels crazier this year. It, it, it's a good time of year. It, feel, it felt really good to get to that like first UAA weekend that was Friday, Saturday. I had the NESCAC, or sorry, sorry, Friday, Sunday, the NESCAC Friday. So it feels like now we are officially knee deep in the D3 conference season, and uh, it is a fantastic season. We'll talk through some of the teams and things, but uh, this is one of the better seasons that I can remember in a long time because of how much parity there is and, and the fact that every time I make my top 25 ballot, I don't really feel like I know what I'm doing. <laughs> totally agree with you. Uh, totally agree. Uh, this Today, I literally stared at it. My son and daughter came down and asked me what was for lunch, and I was staring at my ballot, and I heard them, but I didn't compute. Like I was trying to figure out who I was putting in the 10 hole. And I'm sitting there and I'm staring and my son goes, well, why don't you pick so-and-so? I don't even remember what school he picked. I went, what? Huh? Oh, oh, um, no, but thanks. Oh, you need lunch, don't you? I'll be up in a few minutes. I, I was so neck deep trying to figure it all out. Ryan Winnable, let's jump to you real quick. Quick, Haven't had you on the show this year. Thanks for joining us. Um, mm -hmm. Your thoughts on just what we've got going on. You know, I, I think the poll this year, at least the last couple of weeks, you know, the first four or five teams that I, I'm picking, you know, one through five seem to be going pretty quickly. And I, I you know, as we look at the poll that came out today, I, it seems like voters have, have coalesced around maybe four or five teams. It's really the car crash that happens after six, seven, eight, um, that that really I spend the majority of my time with. I probably spend way too much time on the 20 through 25 portion. Uh, car crash, good term. Yeah, I, I'm okay with nine, but it's definitely a black hole after that. 
Um, and I mean that seriously. I have teams in nine and ten that that shouldn't be there. Ryan Scott, you've always had some interesting tidbits on this. And by the way, we'll point out there's a great top twenty five battle I'm taking these guys away from. So I appreciate them joining me. But we'll talk about that in a moment. But Ryan, your thoughts on it? Yeah, you can see us all like looking to the side to other screens while while we're doing this to watch. Um, and yeah, just a I, shout I out: this Keen State broadcast <laughs> is incredible. The graphics they have on the screen, the play and they've got a pack gym up there it's it's really cool like it's a really d3 showing out tonight um but in terms of the top 25 i changed one team this week i dropped nazareth i had in 25th they lost this week i dropped him out and popped oshkosh in there i had hardly any losses in mine and and some of the ones that did you know like i had i had a uh, uh, case and emery pretty close to each other and you know they they played pretty close games so i kind of kept everything the same there um but yeah, I mean, we don't know from week to week who's going to win for sure. But, um, you know, at least this week, things worked out the way I had figured it out last week. It worked out for one week uh, that I knew what I was doing. You're a lucky son of a gun. That's all <laughs> I can say about that. I think it's ridiculous that you only changed one team. Uh, I was using the eraser more than I needed to. All right, let's get into it. We have three topics. They're debatable. There's deep dive and there's, and there's dubious. Debatable is just a team that, hey, let's talk about them. Well, let's put them off to the side for a moment. Deep dive is a team like, hey, we're not voting for them. Why aren't we? Or should we consider it? Maybe we're, none of us are voting for them. That's with that topic. And then we have dubious team that is maybe a little too high on the top 25 poll, according to these gentlemen. And just for the record, we're not trying to influence anybody. We're just expressing our opinions on it um based on the new top 25 let's go with dubious let's start there because i think that's an interesting conversation ryan we haven't had you on the show winnable we have two ryans which is just a (laughs) malfunction on my part give me your dubious sir i'd love to get your take yeah i'm going to start things off with claremont mud scripts um a team out west that got off to a really great start to the year um had a great win in the season opener against mary harden baylor um, before losing at home to St. Thomas uh, right before Thanksgiving. Went on a long winning streak and then had kind of that surprising loss, I would say, at Laverne, um, 92-88, uh, back to start the year. They had a bit of an odd game this past Saturday, a 60-39 to uh, tilt with Caltech. I, I wonder if, if maybe, uh, and, and I'll say that I, I maybe prematurely pulled uh, CMS out of my poll after the Laverne loss. They did not come back in. Um, this past week. I wonder if, if maybe voters are putting too much weight on the Mary Harden-Baylor win to start the year. They don't have really another, I would call a marquee win after that one. And, and they've looked a little bit shaky in the last couple of weeks, including that loss. And wondering what everyone else's opinion is uh, and, and how they feel about Claremont Mutt's grips. You know, for, for, Either you yeah, for me, Ryan, I, I've watched them a lot this year. I really, really like them. I, I do think there's something to the fact that, you know, the part of their schedule that they're in right now, we haven't gotten to see them play a ton of top flight teams. Now, two two games are coming up, though. Uh, Redlands is a really good team. And, and Pomona Pitzer maybe hasn't had the season we thought they were going to, but that's a really good team. So um, I, I, I'm not dubious on CMS, but I really am looking forward to seeing Redlands and Pomona Pitzer. As far as the Laverne game, you know, I I always say that you kind of have to give every team a mulligan. (laughs) Look at like Carthage is way better than Carroll, like way better than Carroll. And they went up to to Waukesha and lost. That's just the one example I can think of in my head from the CCIW. In in the conference, and and you know this from the OAC, Ryan, there's going to be some weird ass losses, right? Like where we're like, how did that happen? 
conference game. Teams are familiar. You're on the road. So uh, I like CMS. I'm looking forward to those next two games, though. Ryan Scott, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think 15s may be a little high for all the reasons that you've pointed out. Um, you know, I, I think they win a couple of these big games coming up. Maybe that's where they should be. Um, but th- that's where we're at at this point in the year. Right? When we say dubious, it's not so much, you know, that this team isn't good. It's that maybe they're five spots higher than they should be. You know, that's really where we're at. And I, that's kind of how I feel about CMS. I've got them a little bit lower, I think. And 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 maybe they're creeping up just because they haven't lost in a while. So, Well, to be fair, I mean, I, I had the same thought about Claremont Mud Scripts. They're actually part of those that group of teams that I felt was I was bringing up too high because I'd gotten comfortable with about eight. And then I just hit a spot where I'm like, well, they don't they shouldn't be nine. They shouldn't be nine. They shouldn't be nine. They shouldn't. Well, someone's got to be nine. Someone's got to be ten. Uh, I do have Claremont Mud Scripts sitting in the ten spot, and that's higher than I wanted them to. I've had them somewhere around fifteen for the last few weeks. I think that's comfortable. I don't know if that's right or not, but I, to your point, things kind of lift when you develop these gaps, uh, as we seem to be having. Yep. Um, anybody else with a dubious selection, Bob? Do you do yours? Yeah, I'll, I'll jump into mine. And again, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna be real soft in how I I pedal this one because. I think this is a really good team, but mine is Emory. So Emory's 11 and three and two and one in the UAA. Again, let me stress, I've watched Emory several times and I think they're a very good team. My dubious with them, and they they landed at 18 in the poll. They fell two spots this week. Here's my issue with, with Emory is, is they've had three home losses and I realize they're all to good teams. So they've lost at home to Guilford, who I'm voting for, Barry, who I'm voting for, and Carnegie Mellon, and we'll get to that, who I'm voting for. So these are all good teams. Um, But to me, if you're a top 25 team, I expect you to not lose all three of those games. I'm just going to say it that way. They did beat Rochester, by the way. (laughs) That's a huge win. They beat Rochester at home. Um, to me, there's a little bit of an asterisk on that because it's the Rochester team that didn't have Ryan Algier. You know, they're 6'10", stud five man that averages 19.7 points a game and 10 rebounds and shoots 65%. So to me, the Rochester win isn't quite as shiny as it should be. So I'm just saying with Emory, I mean, I don't know that you're supposed to lose that many home games if you're if you're number 18. Great team. They may be 18, but that's my dubious. That's a fair argument. Anybody else want to comment or do you just want to jump to your choice, Ryan? No, I I mean, I think that's fair. I don't know if the other Ryan wants to say anything about Emory, but I feel like Bob covered that pretty well. I I kind of like where I have Emory right around the 20 spot. Um, They have lost those three games, and I thought they had a bit of a rough weekend this weekend, losing to Carnegie Mellon, needed overtime to get past Case Western at home. Uh, Case Western, a good team, of course, but uh, they do have some other good wins in the schedule. They won at Colby, which is a pretty good team this year. Um, They went to Maryville and got a win. Um, So I, I, I... you know, there's there's a lot of teams in that two to three losses that have played pretty decent schedules. I think Emory fits right in there and kind of in the back part of the poll for me. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I do have Emory too high. I, I flat out will tell you I I do, but I I'm just at a loss of where I think they should go based on Bob's point. I, they're a good team. Um, Ryan Scott, none so, of us know who your choice will be. This is insane. So I'm going to have to just explain this here. Um, so I'm going with the two centennial teams together, the Swarthmore Hopkins. 
And not because I mean, I'm voting them just as high as they are in the poll. Like that's that's it. And not because uh, the resume, I think they deserve to be where they are. Um, and we wouldn't be surprised if they beat any team in the country. Right. You're not going to you're not going to call that like a huge upset if they beat anybody. But I'm also looking at the, these are the same two teams last year. Right. We saw Swarthmore lose in the first round of the tournament that I called. I saw that one coming. Right. There's some weak spots in that game. Um and Hopkins lost a big scorer and and similarly, right, that that obviously Yeshiva and Stockton were difficult teams they played last year. But if they're a top 10 team, they, sh- they should have come out of that pod. And we're seeing very much the same teams playing in very much the same ways this year. And obviously the resume deserves it. We know they're capable of winning. But are these teams capable of playing at that top 10 level consistently? And that's where I'm dubious. Obviously, they've got a really good conference and they got a ton of games coming up where they'll get to prove that. I'm just I'm not quite sure that I'm I'm all the way there with a top 10 ranking for either of those teams. If you don't mind, let me jump in because I have seen at least Hopkins recently didn't get a chance to see Swarthmore maybe at some point down the road because I'm calling games in the Centennial Conference. I actually made a big shift with Hopkins this week. I brought him down Um, early in the season. I saw them at Gettysburg. Didn't like how they started, but it was an early season game. I gave him some of the benefit of the doubt and then they steamrolled Gettysburg the rest of that game. And then from that, got some big wins, including over Mary Washington. I'm like, all right, they figured this out. Click, 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 let's go. I saw them, of course, coming off their loss to Swarthmore at McDaniel. They were losing 23-7 to to start that game. They came out slow. You could tell Josh wasn't happy. And I'm like, what is this all about? Now, they absolutely opened up a can after that. I think they outscored uh, McDaniel 52-20 or 22 the rest of the game. It was ridiculous. But my concern is that's what I saw at Gettysburg. Slow start, not playing well, don't seem jazzed up. You can't do that against every opponent or they're gonna, someone's going to trip you the wrong way. I just feel uneasy. I think they're good. I don't think they have all their pieces working well. I like Corey, but I don't think he's playing as well as he could. I like other pieces. I think they're still figuring things out. So I actually moved them significantly down in my poll with that thought and the loss to Swarthmore, and I've got them mid-pack, mid to mid maybe bottom third is kind of where I have those two teams. You know, for, for me, I, I think they're both really good teams, and I have them both about where they are in the poll. I think that the thing that you start to realize this year is that when you talk about someone being number 10, that's really about dead even with number 20. Like, is there really any separation this year? I'll just, I'm going to randomly throw one out. Um, I see UT Dallas play a lot here in town, and I voted from for them this week for the first time. Swarthmore versus Texas Dallas neutral court, you know, coin flip kind of thing. I think 10 and 20, it could maybe 10 and 25 or about even this year. We, we mentioned after that, that elite group at the top, um, so yet, like Ryan Scott, I totally hear you that maybe you are too high. Maybe, maybe me too on, on the centennials, but uh, you got to put someone up there, right? <laughs> like that's, right. that's the kind of year it is. Yeah. And that's why I says we're really reaching at this point for some of these dubious. So <laughs> yeah. Ryan, anything to add, or you want to move on to deep dive? No, I, I, I agree with both of them. Uh, Swarthmore and Johns Hopkins are both in my poll. They're both about where they are, you know, in the, in the full, you know, top 25, both of them make me really nervous uh, for the reasons I think that, that everyone has, has stated here before, but um, yeah, they're in that cluster of teams that I, you know, again, somebody has to be put there and, and 
you know, at this point in the year at 14 and one, I, I think Swarthmore is as good in that five to 10 bucket as, as anyone else is. Yeah. Good call. Uh, I, I do agree. All right, let's go to deep dive. Uh, Ryan Scott, you go ahead and give us your deep dive since nobody knows yours. All right. Uh, yeah. I'm keeping it a surprise here. So I just went straight up with the team highest on my ranking. Who's not getting votes, which is actually somewhere around like 34, 35 on my list. So they're a little ways down, but it is North Carolina. Wesleyan is the team that I'm pulling out here. Um, really good team down in obviously North Carolina. Um, they have beaten Guilford at Guilford this year. Uh, they took out Eastern, which is a you know a pretty solid team, um, and they've been winning games they need to in conference. Uh, they've got four losses, but we've got a, a three-point loss to Mary Washington at kind of the peak of Mary Washington's um, um, heights this year. Nine-point loss at Virginia Wesleyan, eight-point loss at Christopher Newport, and they just got tripped up by two at William Peace, which was kind of a big conference rival there. That's the mulligan that Bob was talking about. But this is a really strong team. Uh, last year in Fort Wayne, I got to talk to their coach, John Thompson, a bit. He had um, his guy McDowell was in the All-Star game, so he was out there hanging out. He's a basketball guy through and through, a really good coach. And and I think you know this is one of those teams that may end up like in the third seed in a, in a pod the first weekend that is just going to, you know, raise hell for somebody who, who <laughs> has to play them. Interesting. That's a, that's a thinker winnable. Any thoughts? Yeah. So North Carolina, North Carolina Wesleyan a couple weeks ago was in that 26, 27 slot for me to pull the trigger on. And then the William peace game took place. And, and I kind of, backed off a little bit you're right you no know, they've got some good wins they've got one of the best wins in the country with Guilford on the road um you know all of their losses are quality losses they've been competitive in all of those games I think this is a great pick for a deep dive and and you know I'm not opposed to, to coming back to them in a couple weeks um should they you know win out Bob yeah it's funny I was doing some research on other teams earlier in the week and the fact that they had played, like all these teams had played North Carolina Wesleyan kept coming up. And I was like, huh. And so I started digging into North Carolina Wesleyan and realizing, hey, that's a pretty good team. So I like where Ryan Scott's going on that one and, and agree that that's a team to to watch out for. Yeah, that's a, definitely going to have me thinking. I didn't, I didn't have them that close to my radar, but it doesn't mean much. Uh, teams can be right off the radar and jump in quick uh, with us voters. Um, Bob, you're, you're a deep dive. Before I get to deep dive, I want to throw an extra dubious out there, and I want to make myself dubious because I have not been voting for Middlebury, <laughs> and, and I'm watching this game. They're up 84-82 with uh, 24 seconds left and have the ball at Keene State, and so I would like to nominate myself for dubious. Uh, when when Middlebury That's lost brilliant. to Ham, I was voting Middlebury like 20, and then they lost that Hamilton game, and I was like, I'm going to take a little break on Middlebury, and I never came back to him, and so uh, I just wanted to to raise my hand and nominate myself. My deep dive is not a team I think we should be voting for right now, but it's a team that I think is on the rise and it, it could be a team in a couple of weeks we should look at. And that's Nebraska Wesleyan. Um, they're 10 and six. They're five and two in the ARC. They're one game out of first in, in the ARC, which is a really good conference, kind of an underrated conference. Their losses mostly are to very good teams. So let's say good to very good. You know, they lost to uh, Oshkosh, Mary Harden, Baylor, Illinois Wesleyan, Dubuque Central. And then they have one of those bizarre losses to North Central of Minnesota. That's the bad one. They just beat Loris. Loris, to me, was a team I was getting ready to vote for. Um, so 
I think Nebraska Wesleyan has looked really good. They've won six of seven and have played really well. Peter Lash is a great player. He's kind of like a five, six, five, three man, does a little bit of everything. Great player. Um, so keep an eye on the Prairie Wolves as, as we move forward. Interesting. Um, winnable. I don't know if you have any thoughts there, but I will warn you that your choice must be a Wesleyan. <laughs> That's true. I didn't think about that. Nebraska Wesleyan, this is a team where a couple of possessions and a couple of different games, we could be talking about a very different team and a very different resume. Um, as, as Bob mentioned, all their losses are, are high quality losses. They've been very competitive in all of those games. For me, it's just been finishing those games and getting that signature win. The Loris win this past Saturday is, is probably their signature win on the year. Um, and if they would have just added, you know, the Mary Harden game, they had the overtime loss at Dubuque. Um, you know, maybe that Oshkosh game goes a different way, a couple of points here or there, and, and they're probably a top 25 team. That's another one of those teams where on paper you look at the record, um, you think, okay, you know, they're, they're, they're out of the conversation. But this is another dangerous team that if they can put it together in February, we could be talking about, you know, as, as a maybe a, a, a tournament team. Quick note, Keene State had a chance at, a, I think, of a tying shot and yep. missed. And uh, say again? Well, Alex Sobel blocked him pretty pretty hard on Jeff yeah, Hunter I, there for that tying shot. So, I only yeah. looked over and saw it was a miss. Uh, I didn't see how it happened. It was a huge block. Um, Side note, I did not check the schedule today when I was sending out guest requests last Friday, and I reached out to Keene State to see if Ryan Kane could come on the show. <laughs> he said, no, we have a big game against Middlebury. And I wrote him back, goes, well, great. You just killed my backup option too, sir. <laughs> Um, um, I was just going to mention with Nebraska Wesleyan that North Central loss. I can totally explain that to to bail out our friend Dale Wellman over there. Is that they they knew they were going to have to play Greenville the next night, and I'm guessing that they were preparing for the onslaught that is the system over there, and uh, maybe overlooked one. It's a good point. Uh, but yeah, I think it's a really strong team. It's one of those that if they happen to come out of the ARC, right? They're not getting a pool C bid, so if they happen to come out of the ARC, is not a team you want to face. Probably like North Carolina Wesleyan, right? That they may Absolutely. get slotted into a three or a four seed that's just going to be a terrible matchup for somebody yeah, final good uh, point. 86 good, good 82 point. middle bear um, King state winnable your deep dive sir yeah let's go out to the midwest and let's talk about illinois college uh, really thought you were going to say illinois wesley in there <laughs> <laughs> no uh illinois college uh 15 and one on the year um this is one of those uh, you know when we talk about regional rankings in a couple weeks high winning percentage low sos Type teams. Um, I would say their signature win to this point is, is over the holiday break. They beat Brockport State. They also have a good win at Ripon, who's having a pretty decent year as well. Um, you know, you look at the conference schedule and, and the rest of their schedule the rest of the way, they don't have a lot of, or I will say they have no real opportunities to get a, a real signature top 50 win. So I guess my question for the panel is, is there a point this year where you would vote for Illinois college and what, what, what is the bar for you guys to, to pull the trigger there? Yeah, that's a great one because I've watched several of their, their games this year. They have a, a very talented cast. Their, their losses to Milliken. Milliken is sitting in dead last in the CCIW. Again, we talk about mulligans. We talk about this and that. By the way, where was that game? Can someone was the Milliken game at Illinois it was College? Home. It, it was, was home for Illinois College. Yeah. It, it, here's here's my gut feeling. Maybe it's more than gut feeling from what I've seen. I think Illinois College is is more on 
par with Milliken than not. Like, I don't think that was a fluky that to me, if they played again, that would be a really close game. Um, I think Illinois college is a good team that plays well. If you gave them a different schedule though, like let's say you put them in a CCIW schedule, uh, they wouldn't be 15 and one. Now what, what the record would be? I don't know. So, um, you know, Ryan, I think this is a really good one you bring up. And and Steve Schweer is a wonderful coach who is building an unbelievable program there. Like, he's going to win there. I just, <laughs> I don't know if I can get myself to vote for him yet. Like, they got to string together a few more to, to get me there. Yeah, I mean, they did play Augustana. They won that one. Um, and I, I agree, Steve will... Steve will be able to build something great there if he doesn't end up at Carroll. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but, and they beat Ripon twice already. So, which is a big thing, like the best, the best team that they have to play in their conference, they've already beaten twice. Um, and, and I think they're really just on the cusp, right? I like the Brockport win. That was one that I was looking at to see how they were going to stack up. Um, and, and I think they're just, they're just not quite, there they need that signature win that they just don't have on the even they don't even have a team on the schedule right i think uh d3 bubble on twitter they put out he uh the the rankings every week and it shows how many games you played against the top 50 and against the top 100 and they have none against the top 50 and you know barely any against the top 100 and i think that schedule is just not strong enough to to really give them that kind of vote or and they cut a they cut a tough break because they tried to schedule one of those in augustana like they got augustana come play at their gym which when you schedule that game, you're thinking that that's a that's going to be a top 15 team. Augustana struggling this year. So um, I think they tried. The, the other point I just want to make real quick is the, the great thing about a job like Illinois College, and, and everyone always kind of looked at it like the little bit of a sleeping giant. You can you can win there. Like Steve Schweer, I would be shocked if he if he even thinks about going to Carroll. Because I believe you can get kids from central Illinois and southern Illinois, et cetera, western Illinois. You can get kids and you can win the Midwest Conference. You can get yourself in the tournament at Illinois College. Whereas you go to Carroll and start competing in the CCIW and start down. like So I think Steve's going to stay there a little while until really, really that that big one comes up. Because he's, he's a fantastic coach. Yeah. I agree with you. Um I, all the reasons you guys have stated is why Illinois College has been off my ballot. It's not a knock on them. I just don't have something that says, well, I know you're better than X. Um, and, and that's been the tough one. Uh, all right, so we're deep dive done. Now move into debatable. And, Bob, we'll start with you. This is a team, everybody out there, don't necessarily say you shouldn't be or, or you should be voting for. It's somebody who's probably getting votes in the top 25. Just curious where everybody thinks uh, thinks of them, Bob. Yeah, this is kind of like when I nominated myself for for dubious. I think I think I'm debating with myself on my debatable potentially. Uh, I am the one vote in this poll for Carnegie Mellon. So when you you know you look at others receiving votes and you go all the way down, you're like, who who voted for them? So that's me. Here here's kind of the the, the debate here is Carnegie Mellon's nine and five, one and two. They they just wanted Emory this past weekend and and they want they led that game from start to finish and and if you watch the game they looked like the better team and that was on emory's floor um their losses are mostly to really good teams mostly so they lost to rochester uh and, and that was 
a one possession game that happened Sunday. They lost a uh, they lost to Heidelberg. They lost to Middlebury, that now looks awfully good. They lost uh, at Case Western Reserve, and they have a kind of a weird loss to Geneva. Here, here's kind of the the, the debatable part of this. Couple of fronts. Um, when a player is hurt and then returns to full strength, do you start voting differently? And they have one of these. Nick Nikasian, who's one of their best players, was playing very limited minutes due to an injury earlier uh, this year. Uh, in, in some of their games uh, earlier, he was playing 10, 12 minutes. He's back to playing 32 minutes a game. And if you watch the, uh, the the Emory game, he had 15 points, eight rebounds, three assists. The Rochester game, he had 15 points, four rebounds. With Nikasian back, to me, Carnegie Mellon looks like about the third best team in the league. I think Rochester, Wash U, and then it's just a jumbled mess anyway. But um, I voted for Carnegie Mellon because I felt like the way they looked against Emory and the way they looked against Rochester – they seem to me to be a top 25 team. I may be proven wrong this weekend, but I like Carnegie Mellon to play really well this weekend and 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 do really well against Chicago and WashU. So we'll see. I, I don't I at nine and five, one and two is where I kind of get hung up a little bit on them. I, I but they've been kind of like, should I be considering them more seriously? So I I get where you're going there. Ryan Winnable, Ryan Scott, either of you guys have thoughts? Well, I think, I mean, obviously this is a really good team. I think they're better for sure than they have been the last few years. It's a rough year to be in the UAA as as a as a pretty good team because um, it's going to be really hard to get there. I watched that much of that Carnegie Mellon-Embry game, and my takeaway was sort of that Emory is more what I thought they were than maybe some of the others who've been voting for them a little higher. Um I'm I'm not sure that you know Emory and and CMU are not the third and fourth best teams in that conference, and maybe just prove that that Carnegie Mellon's a little bit higher. Um, you know, I really don't know what to make of them. I'm glad we have a UAA schedule where they can prove on the court whether yeah. they belong in that next group or not, because yeah, the well, talent is certainly enough. there. But that's been true a lot over the last five or six years. They've had a pretty talented team that's underperformed a little bit. So we'll see what happens. Obviously, Ryan is. A lot closer in the the region there to know more about it. I'm curious to hear your your thoughts. Bob's question about you know players coming back from injury. How do you how do you vote differently when a player comes back? I like to give that a couple weeks before you know trying to factor into my balloting process. I want to see how a player gels back into a team. I want to see how a team functions. You know, with them physically on the floor. To Dave's point, for me, it's it's the record, it's the losses uh, for me at this point, and, and pulling the trigger on Carnegie Mellon. With that said, I thought they looked fantastic this weekend. I, I think I said that on Twitter. They looked great at Emory. They nearly pulled off the upset. Uh, if it was an upset at Rochester, for me, I'll be watching very closely the Wash U game this weekend. Um, assuming that they get past Chicago at home, if they can beat Wash U Sunday, um, UAA Sunday, yeah, I'll, I'll take another look at Carnegie Mellon. Yeah. The, th- those results, I always want to take pause and wait to see how it translates into the next week, weekend, whatever the case may be. I don't want to wait too long. So, yeah, great weekend, good win. Okay, how do they play that out next weekend? I want to see next weekend. I don't want to be too reactionary. Maybe that's a fault, but that's kind of where my main 
brain was there. Um, who That was Bob. So uh, let's go Ryan Scott. All right. So I looked back. Last time I was doing this panel was in November, I believe. And I looked to see yes. who my teams were then. And I decided to keep my debatable team the same because we have the same debate. And that is Mary Harden Baylor. Um, this team that we all know has maybe the best player in the country in Josiah Johnson on this team. Um, really, really good wins uh, all over the place. Um, but also some really big head-scratching losses. Um, this was my same complaint with them all last year was that they'd show up in big games and there'd be some games where it seemed like their minds were wandering a bit and the focus wasn't there. And it, it feels like it's much the same this year. And so how do we rank a team that is perfectly capable of being the best team in the country? I believe, I believe they have enough talent to be number one, um, but just are taking losses where they really shouldn't be. What do we do? There, there, it's a, it's a great, this is a great one. I, and I finally have them for the last two weeks back in my ballot. I, I went to the game uh, here when they beat Texas Dallas here in Dallas. And it seemed to me like they finally put it all together and they looked great in that game. Big crowd, huge game. It was like a first place type game. Um, the only Loss, Ryan, that I would call a complete bizarre loss is when they lost to Sewell Ross State. That's just a game. That was at home. Like, I don't know how they lost that game. I wasn't watching it. The game at Concordia, Texas, haven't seen them play now. I get it. Super athletic team that pressures the ball. Uh, the loss at East Texas Baptist, that's a that's a good team. Well, but, all right, but even like this week is a two-point win at home versus McMurray, right? Uh, like, that's uh, not the result you want to see. Uh, agree. I think it, anyone that's not voting for Mary Harden Baylor, I totally tip my cap and say, like, I get it. I'm swayed by having seen them in person recently and how good they looked in that game and how physical they are and how athletic they are and how skilled they are. I think they're going to prove me right now, but I, I don't know. I, I, Ryan Whitnable, what, what, what do you think? I'm also voting for for Mary Harden Baylor again. The last couple of weeks, I brought them back into my ballot. Um, you mentioned the UT Dallas game. I thought they looked fantastic in the Harden Simmons game. Um, yeah, back on the twelfth. Um, you know, Mary Harden Baylor is one of those teams that has that high ceiling, but you worry about a consistency. And and they're one of those teams where you think you might be watching them in Fort Wayne uh, in March, and you also wouldn't be shocked to see them go out in the first weekend. Yeah. I take Mary Harden Baylor on a week to week basis. Um, and, and that's kind of how I'm going to go with them going forward. They've got some tough games to close out the schedule. Um, we'll be really interested to see, you know, if they can continue to play well, as Ryan Scott mentioned, that McMurray result is a little shaky. Um, we'll see how they, how they kind of continue down through the second run of, of conference play. Well, so it, who's, who's voting for him? Raise a hand. I am. I am the two down there. I am not yet. They're very no, close. Neither am I. I considered it, but so it's one of those things that like, if you're playing one game, Mary Harden Baylor against Swarthmore, I would pick Mary Harden Baylor all over the place. Damn. You're, yeah. They're, they're deeper. They're more talented. But if you're playing a seven game series between Mary Harden Baylor and Swarthmore, there's no chance I'm picking Mary Harden Baylor. You yeah, know, like it's one of those that, that I just don't know what to do. It's a great the way, way to put it. It's a great the way to key say is the loss at home to Saul Ross. If that's yeah. at Saul Ross, I give him a little leash. Right. If you got to make that drive, you're going to lose right. a lot of those games. But uh, winnable, debatable. Yeah, I'm going to go to the NESCAC and Williams. Um, 
you know, we have a lot of debates here and, and I know on Twitter as well about teams and resumes and quality wins and 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 whatnot. And I think Williams was was a top 10, top 15 to start, to, you know, preseason. Um, you look through their schedule, they have a good win against RPI. Um, they have a pretty good win against Wesleyan. Uh, they've got the one loss on the road at their rival Amherst. Uh, a couple of good wins at Hamilton and Colby, but they're really isn't a signature win for Williams that we can really hang our hat on. And how much are we really still leaning at least? Uh, and I'm looking at myself here is, is, you know, how much are we still leaning on last year's Williams and, and, and how do we really feel they fit into the national picture this year? That's, that's a tough one for me too, as well. I, I'm always pretty public about saying I'm kind of a strength of schedule, good wins type top 25 voter. And uh, Williams, I've, I felt like I've just, been given free passes all year because I I watch them and they look good to me. I think they're a good team. They are a good team. But uh, strength of schedule, Massey says 202. You know, we talked about Illinois College earlier. I mean, this Worcester non-conference schedule, it's better than Illinois College's, but there's a whole bunch of Illinois College non-conference schedule type teams on here too. Um, There's not a lot to hang your hat on, on this Williams. I, uh, I don't know how why schools schedule certain ways. There are there are reasons, and I respect that. I wish Williams would play a stronger non-conference schedule so we could solve this stuff. But I guess that's just me being a voter and being selfish. I don't know what to do with Williams either, but I have them up pretty darn high in my poll. I I think one thing that's messing with the strength of schedule a bit is that we've got a weird Liberty League year. So they've got three wins against Liberty League teams, but there are six teams in that conference that are really really good. And they're all beating up on each other in a way that I think is hurting. We have to get Matt Snyder on here to tell us how the math actually works. But I think that's really hurting the SOS a little bit. Um, You know, RPI is not who they were the last couple of years, but they're still a really good defensive team. And that was a big one, I think, for Williams to win by 18 over RPI. Um, You know, it's just a team that's so good defensively. You don't usually blow them out like that. Um, But of course, with Williams, we got uh, Amherst and Middlebury. Uh, this week coming up. So we'll definitely have a, a little bit more to to take in with them. But that is one. I think WPI is another one that we just kind of know because they brought back so many guys that we know are good that we're giving them a little more string maybe um, than we would for another team that maybe hasn't proven themselves just yet. The Saturday game against Middlebury is that's going to be a great one. You know, I think they're going to take care of Amherst at home. Of course, rivalry game, blah, blah, blah. But the Middlebury game Saturday that's probably the one we all kind of need to see. Yeah, admittedly, Williams has floated on me a little bit too high. Uh, and I don't mean that as a negative. I, I think they're a good team. I'm not basing it on anything from last year, but even looking over at it now, I'm like, geez, I put them at I put them five, and I'm questioning myself. Um, granted, maybe it was my kids bugging me about lunch. Um, that was part of that. But no, valid point, and – but I think you can also, and I think we've alluded to that, you can talk about this with a lot of teams this year, whether it's a schedule yeah. that's uneasy or it's results that are uneasy or whatever. And not to beat the dead horse of parody, but that's certainly playing a role here. But to, what is it, Bob, your point, absolutely wish Williams would put a couple testers into their schedule. And, and we'll have to get Kevin App on to discuss it. And I know there's challenges sometimes. Teams don't want to play teams. I, I get that. But there's ways around that, and we've seen that. St. Joseph's has figured ways around that, uh, and others have done that. So I'd like to see Williams take a, a little bit of a better shot at it. But 
We'll see and look, happens. this is a year where, like, as a voter, I think we just get a free pass to do our best. You know, like, uh, yeah, this year, I, I think five times this year, I've had a team that I wasn't voting for the week before that all of a sudden I like popped in like 15. You know, like Wash U this week. Absolutely. I wasn't vote for Wash U. Now they're 16. And then, then they're out. And then they're in. So, look, if we're voting for Williams six collectively, no one needs to apologize for that. It, it is what it is. This is a really tough year to figure this this stuff out. And uh, to me, hey, free pass for voters in 2022-23. That's the but way I look at this. I, I also think it's a situation where if Williams had a win, say, over a team like Swarthmore on the schedule, they'd be almost a unanimous number three, right? Yeah. And so they're creeping up because we know they're good, but they're still kind of stuck because they haven't had one of those wins yet. Fair point. And if they lose to Middlebury at home Saturday... They may they may go bye bye on my ballot, right? Like if you don't have much else, and then you lose a home game to Middlebury, that that could be like all the way down and out. Not so that we'll I want to dive down the rabbit hole too deep, but just to that thought, though, I mean, right now I have Middlebury as the lower ranked team to to Williams. So in that sense, yes, it, it's a loss that they shouldn't take in my eye of the top twenty five. But you know, there's a lot of voters who still punish people for losses to teams that by the rankings was either expected or shouldn't be a surprise. Um, well, I, but also, I, I it's think a home because game we have and they so match many up. teams to consider now, Bob, to your point, you might drop a team significantly because there's so many others you could put in those spots. And the games that, and the games that Williams, that's kind of my point. Yeah, that's like, a great point. And it's a good yeah. matchup for them. They yeah. match up against Middlebury as, as the, they have a center to play against Sobel. And and they're better at most of the other positions. So if they lose this game at home, there just really isn't an excuse. That's a very valid point. I <laughs> uh, don't know. I think we got through all of them. Uh, I've got to run because this went longer than I expected. Gary Stewart being a very kind gentleman holding on and waiting for us. Um, but I do want to get final thoughts from everybody. Bob, we'll start with you. Um, no, I, I appreciate Dave. And, and certainly we've all been thinking about you with what you have going on at home. Um, I watched uh, Hoopsville uh was it last week? And uh, very, very emotional for all of us that were watching you try to get through your open. So um, we're thinking about you. I've I've been in your shoes in the last 18 months, and uh, that's tough stuff, my friend. So uh, kudos to you and uh, hang in there. Thank you. I appreciate that. Either of the Ryans, you can step in. You know, we're, we're getting to that, you know, back after January, we're getting into the second rotation of uh, conference games. I think we're going to see some more surprising results. I think we typically do the second round, you know, through conference play. Um, and we'll be talking regional rankings here in a couple of weeks as well. So we're, we're really getting into the the meat of the, the D3 schedule here. Yeah, it's jumped up on everybody. Ryan Scott? Yeah, it's moving fast. That's what I've been realizing the last week, that how quickly the end is is coming. Um, and how how much it ramps up here. Uh, I'm going to get the opportunity to make the drive up to Vermont. I'm going to see Middlebury in person for the uh, Bates Tufts weekend up there. So I'm excited to be able to get some some uh, basketball in. And, uh, you know, just the games keep coming quick. So try to see as many and get to as many. And um, can't wait for Fort Wayne. 
can't believe Fort Wayne is right around the darn corner from us. As you said, it's it's jumped on us quick, and uh, here we are already dealing with it. Uh, surprise, surprise. Guys, uh, all seriousness, uh, thank you so much for, for uh, being a part of this. As always, we'll, we'll look forward to having you down the road. I know it's a sacrifice to you guys, so I mean that well. Uh, Bob's got his cute cast. Definitely tune into that, though. You have to get through the alphabet before you get there. I apologize. You got to work your way up to Q, but eventually get to Bob's Q cast. Uh, Ryan Winnable, I'll freely admit, I don't remember if you're still back at it with your stuff or not, but I know you're doing yeoman's work out in the Great Lakes. Yeah, podcast is on. I just taking a little bit of break from that to to do some personal things, Uh, but you know, working hard at at the the Great Lakes invite and and trying to put together another great event for for 2024 now. Yeah, well said. Uh, I for yeah, I thought the I totally can appreciate the hiatus sir it is yeoman's work and tip the hat to you for what you've done ryan scott anything big coming up uh, in your writing world i believe if our editor is confirmed that there's an around the nation coming out tomorrow um and i've got a couple in the hopper that are in the works they may not be weekly the rest of the way through life has been a little busier lately but there will be around the nations um i gave a little tease on twitter i've got an appointment with jim haney to talk and get some clarification on all of this flopping we've been talking about through through twitter figure out what the refs are are supposed to be calling how well they think it's going maybe talk to a few coaches about that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and uh, that that'll be coming in the future uh, we'll, we'll, I get we'll be getting down. jim on the show to talk about the same at some point not to not to jump on uh ryan's yeah. thing but we'll get jim too just for the record everybody you know they've been calling it for a few years i just want to remind everybody of that <laughs> guys thanks so much Really appreciate it. Take care of yourselves. We'll look forward to talking to you down the road and uh, enjoy the games as we always do. Thanks, guys. And uh, that's the gents. Thanks, guys. Appreciate them taking the time to join us. Really mean it's a lot. We went way longer than I expected. That was about a 45-minute segment, and I apologize to Gary Stewart, who we'll have coming up here in a bit. But we'll uh, get to the women's top 25 reactions coming up on Thursday's show. We've already got that in the works. We're already working on a bunch of things for Thursday. Might be a little bit of a different show. Um, And then we'll get... Two other guys coming up on Monday. I, I think I'm going to trim down. We've gotten the bulk of our guys. Might have to trim down to two. I love hearing from all three guys, but we got to keep it. Keep, keep. Hey, you know what? I've actually had a whole other idea. I kid you not. If you want to talk to me about ideas I have for Division Three and the broadcasts I want to do and the work I want to do, I would add a third show to Hoopsville. I kid you not. We would do Mondays and Thursday show, and then on Tuesday we come out with just a top twenty-five show or return to Sunday's show and then bring Mondays at top 25. I don't love that idea, but again, easily could do a third show here. There's that much content to talk about. If I had my druthers and we could make it work financially, I kid you not. There is more to do and not just in the hoops. We'll take a break. When we come back, like I said, the uh, Gary Stewart will join us to talk about, um, well, that he's the president of the NABC. That's significant. He's the first black uh, Division three coach to ha- to be the president of the National Association of Basketball Coaches, and I thought it would be great to get his take on things on this MLK Day. You listen to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Back with more after this.
These are your teams, your players, your community of fans. This is where they play, where they practice, where you cheer at every meet, every event, every game. Your community is passionate, dedicated, supportive. You know the tension of a close game and the thrill of the win. So while you're cheering, keep an eye out for anything out of the ordinary. If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no-look pass. And cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success. And prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us. All of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. There are over 480,000 college athletes. Only 2% would go pro. That means over 470,000 will not get a shoe contract. No autographs. No private jets. No fan clubs. No Hall of Fame inductions. 
Instead, they will walk away with something much more valuable. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Running a bit late. Shocker, right? On the show. Uh, thanks to the Top 25 panel. Bob, Ryan, and Ryan. Great stuff from them. Really appreciate their... I always come away thinking twice about how I voted in those conversations. Uh, I know I haven't gotten a uh, blog out recently. I will try and do so um, this week, give you a sense of how I voted the last few weeks. Also, we have a couple of bits of business to take care of at the end of the show. So after this segment coming up, well, we'll take a break, come back. want to recap uh, some good news out of the uh, uh, NCAA convention uh, and how Division Three voted on some things uh, and just uh, kind of give you a preview of what we got ahead. It is Martin Luther King Day, and with that, um, an ongoing conversation we've had on this show is minorities in coaching and in and, and the, and the general sense of minorities in Division Three. It obviously has pivoted quite a bit in recent years, at least in the coaching ranks, especially on the men's side. Um, and we've had great conversations with that. Well, with that in mind, one conversation I always love having is with uh, Gary Stewart, who's the uh, head coach at Stevenson University. Well, this year, he's president of the National Association of Basketball Coaches, which, just for you to understand, is a yearly thing. Um, you basically work your way up through the board. You're eventually elected to be president. Um, and Division Three recently had uh, Charlie Brock as president. I think, ooh, I'm going to speak out of turn here, but I think Paige Moyer might have been president. Yeah, Paige Moyer was president. So we've had some presidents at the Division Three level, which is tremendous considering the influence Division One has. But if I have this accurate, we've never had a black coach in the Division Three level as president of the NABC. So joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, it's the aforementioned head coach of Stevenson. It's Gary Stewart, who is president of the NABC as well now. And uh, Gary, first and foremost, thanks for joining me on the air. Congratulations, obviously, on the job, which I know is very busy for you. Um, but it... And I don't mean to be trite or or to be simplistic on this, but it must mean something uh, especially to you here on MLK Day. Hi, Dave. Thanks for, for having me. Uh, yeah, but what a special day, obviously, uh, uh, for our country and and for uh, uh, humanity, and, and you know, reflecting back on his life and all the things that uh, he uh, was able to do that uh, we still carry on to this day. You know, when you talk about having a great life. It's the impact that you make while you live and also the impact uh, when you leave. And uh, uh, such a profound um, uh, legacy that, that he's left us. And, and I think we're all better for it. It's certainly come a long way since then. And we could dive into the whole uh, MLK influence and what it's, it's amazing that his influence is still impactful to this day. But again, you're, you're an African-American coach who I know has done, uh, you've done everything. I, I think <laughs> in your coaching world, uh, including at the division one level, what's it mean to be president of the NABC mainly just on a career perspective um, to be in charge of an organization? I know you take very seriously. Well, uh, Dave, it's never really been about me. You, you know, I think that uh, I'm a, a steward for the the entire 
uh, Division Three uh, body, and and that's kind of how I've approached it. And and uh, I really uh, try to take the sentiment of uh, the country to those meetings, and uh, certainly fight for the things that are important, along with other board members at Division Three. That's it's, it's a really special group of folks that I've been able to work with, and and. Uh, Again, it's never really been Gary Stewart. It, it's just been I've been fortunate to be uh, be at the table. But uh, but I it doesn't get lost on me that I represent uh, a, a group that's that's much bigger than me. Does it seem different also to be a black coach as president of the NABC? There have been others at the Division One level and maybe other divisions. I don't know the presidents all that well, but at the division three level, do you think it, it, that has an impact or are we at a point, and I ask this very seriously, that that literally no longer is a, a focal point to, for lack of a better description. Well, Dave, I think um, when you wake up and, and look in the mirror and you're brushing your teeth and, and getting ready for work that day, um, you're keenly aware of who you are and, 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 you know, the complexion of your skin and, and what that might mean to others. But quite frankly, when you uh, arrive on campus and get into the minutia of the job, uh, the, the ball screen doesn't ask you what ethnicity you are. It, are you going to hedge it? Are you going to go over the top? Are you going to uh, ice it or down it on the side? You know, the, the, those questions are, are for everybody in, in our sport. And uh, we have to do the same things. We have to recruit. We have to teach well. Um, you have to love the folks that are under your auspice and, and uh, whether you're black, white, uh, uh, those things are, are universal to, to our uh, uh, optimum success as, as coaches. And so um, I, I've kind of always taken that uh, tact when, when approaching the job. But um, I, I understand what the complexity of um, our picture looks like. Um, across the country, and and uh, I've been at this for a while. Uh, first started back in the '80s, and and uh, uh, so I, I, it doesn't get lost on me that uh, uh, there are folks here that have done great, great work, and and there are many, many people that um, you know uh, were able to uh, get the debris out of the way, if you will, to uh, afford me the opportunity to do what I do, and. Uh, uh, there, there wasn't a, a readily available road for for minority coaches um, in years past, whether it be a Division three, Division two, and Division one. And and I'm so fortunate to work in an era where uh, there is an opportunity to uh, not only become a head coach but to uh, be successful and, and advance your career. Um, and obviously, there are a lot of people that uh, uh, were part of the the uh, group that paved the way for for folks like me to be able to take advantage of that yeah we've seen obviously more coaching hires of minorities in recent years and in in big places and i say that only because the nescac clearly there was a bunch of schools there that decided to make a change and and look at that and and decide to to pick different coaches than they have in the past. And you've seen that in other places. The doors seem a little bit wider open, despite the fact that the NFL continues to have a conversation about maybe there isn't enough minority head coaches in other places. Is that just 
my naive perspective that great, the NESCAC has opened the door and we've seen some others and that means there's more coaching opportunities or is that legitimately happening and you've seen that change? Yeah, it's very obvious. And uh, I applaud the NESCAC uh, uh, for all of their efforts and, and other conferences as well, uh, because it's been intentional, Dave. They have really worked at uh, diversifying their workforce and, and implementing uh, programs and and uh, looking at their picture and the dynamics of, of their uh, group of folks that, uh, that they have and saying, hey, listen, uh, we're better if this picture is diversified. And, and diversified in, in a litany of ways, whether it be uh, gender diversity or ethnic diversity. Uh, but when we sit down at the table and we're able to get a breath of um, knowledge and wisdom from um, everyone, uh, that, that makes us stronger and that makes us better. And it gives us perspective that we might not have um, otherwise. And so I think that's critically important as we move forward um, to uh, get uh, a diverse table uh, throughout our conferences and a variety of different seats and uh, administration and on our campuses, uh, because the benefit is is to us all, whether it be uh, coaches, administrators, uh, faculty and staff, um, and most importantly, the, uh, the students uh, under our auspice. Yeah, makes total sense, and 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 I'm I'm happy to see that change. Yes, NESCAC not the only one. We've seen it in the UAA and other places as well. Uh, as far as student athletes and recruiting, how much has that dynamic changed? Not in the sense of out, outwardly looking for more minorities, but more of how do players interact or um, or, or view the fact of that there's a minority on the team or you're recruiting minorities? I, I almost want to say, are they at a point where it literally does not matter to them? Or have we gotten to that pivot point yet? Um, Dave, I, I, I obviously can't speak for, for others, but um, of those that I've talked to and interacted with, um, we're all looking for the same thing. We're looking for accomplished student athletes that have high character, uh, that are extremely uh, talented and um, have a willingness to improve and all the things that uh, encompass a, a great teammate. Um, you know, those tangibles um, are not unique to uh, – uh, a subset of of folks, you know, those are um, folks that we're all chasing. And um, um, you know, when you um, can show the benefits of a student coming to your institution and what that would mean um, and, and how that could springboard him or her to um, uh, greater heights in their life. Um, that doesn't have a, a color. That's not attached to an ethnicity. Uh, so um, I, I, I think we, we, we just all keep hitting the rock. And, and I think diversity is important uh, amongst rosters. And, and um, certainly in locker rooms, um, there are uh, lessons to be learned that are off the court uh, that are critically important to the overarching uh, theme of collegiate athletics. And, and uh I, I just really feel like it's all of our responsibility just to keep working at it, Dave, to to uh, to broaden the horizons of, of uh, our departments and our institutions in a way that um, um, brings out the very best in all of us. 
one of the things we've obviously had to talk about in the last few weeks is the situation at Albion and Jody May, the head coach there. Um, I'm not going to dive into the whole issue as we've talked about it, because I'm sure we'll talk more about it down the road, but using a racial slur, repeating what someone said uh, and why he kicked him out of that practice. It also harkens back to Benedictine, uh, Keith Bunkenberg, um, telling a student he had to leave because he was playing a certain kind of music using a racial slur to describe it because that racial slur apparently was also in the music. Bunkenberg was fired. Jody May still has his job. There's, I'm being way too simplistic. I say those all to build up to. We now have a student athletes who are certainly much more aware, certainly much more vocal to, to their credit certainly much more willing to say, no, that isn't right, and speak up and not take or not experience whatever it is. But how hard is that for coaches, no matter who they are, to understand that everything they say, whether innocent or not, can be either misunderstood or is not right. And is that a conversation that you and the NABC are having in the sense of how can we as coaches be better at understanding the dynamics at play in the larger world? Well, Dave, I think that um, those conversations are taking place in every nook and cranny um, in our society. And True. Um, yeah, I, I know that um, we have robust conversations uh, around a litany of, of things uh, that uh, uh, relate to this topic um, on our campus and in our department. And um, we're all trying to get better. I happen to know Jody, and um, uh, Jody's a good man. And uh, um, I, I saw his situation as another opportunity for us to have open dialogue and for us to be able to, to talk and all of us to learn, learn from it. And um, I don't have um, that complete story. So I, I couldn't, uh, edu- I could eloquently talk and speak. To that. But, but what I do know is that um, there's opportunity to go in a room and listen to both sides and um, come to some consensus and some type of understanding that we're better off for it as we leave the room. And, and again, I will, I will say this, uh, my relationship with Jody, um, in, in full transparency, uh, I've worked with Jody for several years with the uh, division three all-star game. Um, I know him, he, he's a good man and, um, and with a good heart and, uh, college basketball is, is fortunate to have him. So, uh, having said that, uh, Dave, I don't know all the things in that particular situation, but I do know that, um, it is another opportunity for us to have, uh, really the hard conversations and, um, being open and, and willing to, to talk and to, um, have dialogue, um, that starts, from individuals from different places with different backgrounds and um, different upbringing. And, and if we can, we can have those opportunities to, to interact. Um, I really feel like um, uh, we can get to a, a better place. And uh, that's the, that's the goal of the racial reconciliation committee um, with the NABC of which I'm a member of. And, and, you know, that, that situation where how 
do you turn a uh, person that's quote unquote challenged in this area to ultimately to an ally? And a lot of that is, is education. A lot of that is exposure and conversations um, that are hard and, and quite frankly, very difficult, uh, Dave, but, um, you know, no one said it was going to be easy. Um, and we'll continue to have those, I think, throughout the country um, in an effort to uh, bring more awareness to uh, an often challenging and difficult topic. You, you talk about the reconciliation group, and and I, I'm fascinated by that, but obviously you don't have time and I don't have time to dive into all of those aspects. But I'm curious, are those resor- are there resources available either through that group or elsewhere for coaches of the Jody Mays or whomever needs it or wants it or is looking for it to help them understand, A, how to relate, for lack of a better description, to obviously younger student athletes in general, but also to relate to a that dynamic of where that third rail is, of what, what yes, that might have been said, but you can't go and say it. And then when you do, that course, here's the best course of action following in that. Is there those systems in place that can help coaches and then to, to follow up, even student athletes work through this dynamic where we are changing as a culture slowly but or quickly and becoming better, but having to go through these bumps on the road uh, as we travel it? Yeah, Dave, I think the simple answer would be yes. Um, and now the complex piece of that is that, um, and let's start with the, the overreaching governing body of the NCAA. Uh, they have um, um, instituted um are, are mandated that you have a diversity and inclusion designee in the athletic department. Um, institutions also have those officers for the general um, campus as well. And um, those places uh, have an inordinate amount of resources. Um, I sit on the diversity and inclusion um, committee uh, for the MAC conference. And so uh, Megan Morrison has done an outstanding job with that committee. Um, we get together monthly. We have robust uh, conversations as to what's going on in our conferences. Uh, we have uh, educational materials for our, our students, for our coaches, for administrators. Um, and it's not a one size fits all. It's uh, a lot of different um, things that might be uh, real pertinent to your particular situation or campus. Um, so that's an area, Dave, that is growing uh, exponentially um, every day. Uh, there are a lot of really, really good people um, of uh, all races and, and ethnicities that are are working uh, to uh, bridge the gaps and and uh, and have those again have those conversations. And and again, to your point, Dave, there are resources there. There are are, uh, videos, there are books, there are exercises that that you can take part with, with your team, with your department. Um, And I would suggest any coach reach out to their uh, various campuses or um, uh, to a better uh, level, their conference um, commissioners and and the like to uh, um, get some of those resources that um, can certainly aid us all. And be proactive. 
that that's that's the critical piece um we we too often have been reactionary and and dave it really um takes action and proactive uh, action on the part of all parties um to have these discussions prior to an incident and have uh these conversations uh before you're having to sift through uh, the debris and try to get to something after a bad uh, Tuesday or Wednesday night. Um, and, and a lot of thing, those things, unfortunately, can linger for a long time. Um, so it's really, really important to be proactive. I think you said it well there, uh, to go through the debris to get to where you need to be when you didn't need to go to the, through the debris in the first place. Absolutely. Uh, great conversation. I appreciate it. I, I, I wanted to kind of... Br- pivot there if you don't mind believe it or not your year as president is actually closer to coming to an end now uh i keep having to remind myself it'll end technically if i'm correct at the d1 final four at the end abc convention i know it's been a busy year post covid and everybody kind of getting used to things changes within the nabc all have fallen on your shoulders to some degree what's the year been like and and what are you still trying to accomplish this year before it all comes to technically a close Dave, it's really interesting that uh, prior to being on the board uh, and thinking about the NABC and and what they do for coaches, um, I thought I had an understanding. Uh, But being on the board for years and being in the room and having some really challenging topics that that we've had to sift through, um, I've been amazed at the coaches and – their singular purpose in trying to make the game better. And, um, and that starts and it ends with the student athlete experience and, and what, what can we do to make this situation better? And a lot of really, really tough topics uh, over the years, uh, the, you know, NIL is, 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 is one of those things uh, uh, transferring, um, you know, these are the things that are, front and center, but there've been some other legislation uh, back to Prop 48 and what that looked like. And uh, we've taken on the SAT scores and all those type of things. Um, what does that mean for, for the student athletes? Uh, and uh, I've just been really, really proud, Dave. I'm not sure I'm answering your question, but to be part of that room and to see um, folks that are some of the biggest names in our business and uh, rowing in the same direction and care deeply about all levels of uh, collegiate basketball and and what that looks like for the student athletes, whether it be at the high school level, um, junior college or beyond. Is there any pet projects you're still trying to, to have accomplished this year that you were hoping to, to put on your shoulders and, and get done this year? Well, it's interesting, Dave, in traveling, uh, we played on the road on Saturday and I was on the bus when uh, I received the news about uh, the 114 days. Um, and uh, I, I can't begin to tell you how overjoyed I was as I uh, shared text with um, Mike McGrath and Charlie Brock and uh, Wade at the NABC and, and uh, Mike Shower, um, all of us uh, who um, were part of a group that worked really, really hard at um, – at trying to uh, uh, look at this legislation from a lot of different different areas and, and arrive at that and, and support that and 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 really feel the 
the uh, strength and the power of all of Division Three when that legislation was put forth, and and to, to get a, a positive outcome from that, and and then working back and thinking what that could mean for the student athlete was was really uh, a win before I ever arrived um, to to play our opponent on Saturday. It was just an unbelievable feeling and. And uh, so many people really put a lot of hard work into it. And, and so that's just one of the many things, Dave, that uh, the NABC has is, is really uh, been at the forefront in trying to um, pitch some legislation and looking at changes, uh, whether it's be in, in the area of mental health for student athletes and coaches alike, um, whether it's uh, uh, looking at coaches versus cancer. We've got that coming up. So there's a lot of different balls in the air, uh, Dave, but all of those conversations take place uh, with uh, leaving the game better than we found it. Good point. No, 114 days I know was a big deal, and um, I'm I'm glad we could get somewhere with it. I know I had a, an idea. I'm not trying to toot my horn, but I'm just saying I remember I had an idea years ago going, hey, let us let de- let coaches have a week in September. You know, take away from their 19 weeks. Let them use a week in September to, to meet with players. Never dreamed of the day's idea. If there's a positive coming out of the COVID, it was finding that, and that certainly I know was a big deal to coaches. Speaking of which, I know there's a lot of things that get changed, augmented, and adjusted um, for coaches and that they get um, maybe some don't see the change or don't aren't aware of the change or don't like the change or didn't like the rule, whatever. Uh, the topic of flopping has come up. Um, we can go down that rabbit hole some other time. Um, but there's other things that come up as well. And, and coaches sometimes will react to me or react to others like, what the heck is this all about? How can coaches get more involved and how can coaches um, – find the information or find out someone they can talk to about it because it seems like sometimes, and I know not for all, but sometimes there's somehow a disconnect there. Like they, like if I follow up and say, well, coaches were asked about whether they wanted this. And from what I'm told, the majority said yes. And these people were probably going, what are you talking about? Where's the disconnect and how can they solve it? Well, uh, there's a couple things at play, Dave. So, um, when a coach uh, has a uh, particular uh, area of concern, uh, let's say, let's take a rule, for instance, um, they have an opportunity to bring that concern, uh, and it really starts at their conference. Uh, we have a, a Congress uh, that uh, has an individual in every single conference in the country. Um, so getting to their congressman and um, having some dialogue there is a good start. Uh, but understanding, Dave, that it's just not one entity that um, a rule is implemented because this grouping said this. You know, there's a lot of uh, places that chime in. Uh, one significant place is, is SAC. And, and the students uh, have a say-so and um, and a voice, and and it's an important voice. And so, um, nothing is going to happen um, without getting the opinion of of various students in relationship to um, uh, governance. And so, think about this, Dave. Um, the NABC started uh, two years ago 
a uh, sack, if you will, for Division Three men's basketball. So we have 10 student athletes that represent uh, students across the country. So uh, we're able to get the sentiment of the students in our sport. If we have something, how does this affect you? What are your thoughts on it? Uh, if you could articulate uh, your feelings um, as a group and come back to us, we want to hear that. And so that voice has been really, really important. And we've listened to that voice. And um, that's just one of the, the things that, that bubbles up when um, you're looking at something, i.e. something 114 days. That was not something that was not done without us talking about our student athletes. And um, there, there were some concerns and there's a lot at play there, Dave. There's a, uh, I'll, I'll pick on Mike McGrath, for instance, at the University of Chicago. Uh, Mike's uh, on a quarter system. So his start date is different than, than my start date as a, as a semester institution. So there's a lot of different things. So when you try to, to shove one shoe and say it fits for everybody, that is a challenge. And so how do we make that work? Um, and it's important for us to listen to schools that are on quarter system. It's important for us to listen to schools that might have a student body of 20,000 or more. It's important for us to listen to state schools as well as private schools. It's important for us to listen to regions that uh, might have different obstacles and challenges than another region. So there's a lot that goes into it uh, before you unveil something that uh, all of us are going to have to follow. Uh, I know this will give you a chance for a shameless plug, but I mean it genuinely. Not every basketball coach is part of the NABC. Why should they be? What are the benefits that they may be kind of keeping on the sideline in their back pocket, as it were? Well, Dave, the bigger uh, answer to that question would be really to get with somebody within their conference that is an NABC member, i.e. their congressperson, and have a long conversation about the NABC because it's impossible to tell you everything that the NABC does in 30 seconds. I appreciate the question, but there's so much that the NABC does to work on, on behalf of the coaches and to the greater good, uh, college basketball. Um, it's impossible to capsulize it uh, in, a, in a small amount of time, but I would welcome anybody to reach out to me. I'd love to take them just through the website alone and, and talk about various committees and, and uh, the academic committee. Um, there's opportunities uh, uh, throughout uh, the NABC to uh, be involved. Um, we, we talked earlier about Jody May and the uh, Division Three All Star uh, game, and and how All Stars are selected, and and um, that's uh, a long conversation in itself, uh, Dave. But there's a lot that the NABC does. Um, there's one thing that coaches aren't aware of: benevolent fund, where where coaches pour resources into a benevolent fund for coaches that um, suffer a hardship. And any coach at any level that's an NABC member can apply to get some funding uh, that might get them through two to three months um, uh, during a tough patch. So there's a lot of things that the NABC does. Um, unfortunately, the NABC, uh, if I would say one thing that they're not very good at, is beating their own drum and saying, hey, this is what we're doing and puffing their chest out. They don't do that. And so it, it's uh, really critical for uh, those that are members 
to educate those that aren't and to expose them to uh, a litany of things that the NEBC does, uh, whether it's programming for young coaches, uh, mentorship programs for uh, young and old coaches. There's so much that the NEBC does for the betterment of all college coaches. And, uh, and I would encourage anybody, please feel free to reach out to me. I, I certainly uh, will send you on a uh, semi-wild goose chase to go through that uh, website in, in the totality because there's a lot of good work. And the NABC staff, uh, led by Craig Robinson and Nate Promaday, um, Troy Hilton, uh, Wade, um, they're, they're fantastic. Um, Mark, um, I can't say enough about Stephanie. I can't say enough about all of them. And uh, the work that they do, um, not only um, at the convention, but all year round, uh, for college coaches is outstanding. Yeah, I didn't think you'd have the 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 absolute definition or the the nailed down answer to that because I know it's very uh, individualistic. But I loved your point. Uh, reach out to the congressman and have a long conversation, not a short one, but a long one about the about what it, if it would work for you uh, as as uh, as an individual, and then have all those colleagues. Um, could talk for you forever about all these topics, but I got to let you go and. We've got to go ourselves. Don't want to leave without talking about you quickly or your team quickly uh, and quickly about the Mac Commonwealth. You guys are 10 and six this season, uh, knocking on the doorstep of already hitting the amount of wins you had last year uh, as the Mustangs turn the corner. Tough loss on the road at Eastern, despite having the win <laughs> at uh, the convention in San Antonio. Quickly, give us a sense of the Mustangs and the Mac this year. Well, uh, the Mac is uh, true to form, Dave. Um, it's a rock fight every Wednesday, every Saturday. And um, I, I know that um, from a coaching perspective, it is exhausting. The preparation, the uh, attention to detail, um, a lot of these games here in the next uh, four weeks, five weeks are going to come down to one and two possession and um, terrific student athletes again. And, and you throw it all into a, a bowl and it makes for an exciting conference. Uh, I, I've never been a part of a conference that every single team in the conference, uh, it seems like every single year is capable of winning the league. And I think if you started um, the conference all over again in March, you would get a, a different grouping um, in the standings. Um, but um, we've, we've got an opportunity ahead of us. Um, the unfortunate thing is that uh, all uh, eight schools have an opportunity in front of us. <laughs> so, you know, that, that's the tough part about it. But um, we're excited. Uh, we've got uh, a blend of uh, young and old that uh, are um, doing a good job for us. I, I really love the, uh, the group. They're active learners and and want to do well and team-oriented guys, and I'm very, very fortunate to coach them. Yeah, I've always said the Mac Commonwealth, I think, is top to bottom the most competitive, difficult conference in the country, and people will shake their head at me and go, well, but there's no power who comes out of it. I said, that's not my point. My point is, from one to bottom, it doesn't matter. You're going to get a game out of somebody. It's going to be tough. You're going to get beat up. You don't have to be the best teams. And that might be the only drawback of the Commonwealth is you don't get a national power that comes out of it. But you guys certainly enjoy it and you have some good basketball games to watch. Often, Dave, when you sprint the marathon, there's not a lot of oxygen left for, uh, for another lap around the track. So That's uh, true. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we, uh, we beat ourselves up through, through the uh, 
conference round robin piece and then obviously in the conference tournament. So um, not to minimize others in other leagues, but uh, it, it takes a lot out of you to get to the top of the mountain in this conference. Yeah, it'll be interesting as the conference evolves a little bit here with uh, Lyco and Wilkes leaving the overall MAC uh, right. and how that'll impact things here moving forward. Dave, uh, I would be remiss to, real quick if I I couldn't just recognize Brian Baptiste. He's the uh, yeah, he was on my note here, winningest Division three coach, active Division three coach in the country. Good friend and uh, boy, is is college basketball been better because of him you know he's he's the very best among us and for him to uh, reach the 700 plateau is a tremendous honor and he was able to do that uh, Saturday and I just wanted to acknowledge him uh, publicly uh, reached out to him today but uh, really really an incredible achievement when you think about that Uh, how many coaches in the country have an opportunity to coach 700 games let alone win 700 so uh, you know hats off to him and and what he's been able to accomplish in an unbelievable Hall of Fame career. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I literally can now cross that off my list because it was <laughs> next in my notes. Someday I want to get you on. There's going to be a topic in the next few weeks. I got to dive into it. We got to figure out how to do it. But I want to talk. You mentioned Hall of Fame. Why the Basketball Hall of Fame keeps kind of ignoring the great coaches of Division Three. But that's that's a whole other topic. Maybe we'll get you back on for that sometime. Uh, down the road. Uh, Gary, thanks for the time. You gave me much more than I deserved and uh, certainly waited for me much more than you I deserved uh, as well. As always, we give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who may be tuned in? Yeah, Dave, just glad to, to start the 20th year of uh, Hoopsville. You've done such a outstanding job and a great advocate for not only Division Three men's basketball, but uh, um, to the greater good, uh, Division Three at large. Um, I can um, learn a whole lot about soccer from you over the years. And, and uh, certainly you and I have uh, had conversations about baseball and football and, and all things sports. And you've done a terrific job. And, and uh, we're certainly, um, speaking on behalf of all Division III, we're, we're better because of, of you and the great work that you've been able to provide for uh, not only um, coaches and this type of platform, but most importantly for the student athletes that have participated in in collegiate athletics over the years. Well, thanks, Gary. I appreciate that, especially coming from you. I've uh, treasured our friendship. Love chatting with you. Look forward to working with you down the road, maybe in the future as well. Well, Some small projects here and there, but in the meantime, just love chatting with you. I I know you're a busy man, so thank you for the time. It really meant a lot, and uh, good luck the rest of the grind here. I know we'll be in touch, and we'll look forward to talking about the Mustangs soon enough. Well, the last time you wrote me in, we started uh, the nation's uh, largest Division Three on-campus tournament. So um, I'll be under my desk when you knock on the door because I know you'll put me to work. But uh, looking forward to I it. I do notice you ignored me for a short period of time, <laughs> probably for fears of that. <laughs> hey, Gary, it was fun. Thanks for the time. Take care of yourself. Hey, thanks, Dave. See ya. Gary Stewart joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Really appreciate his time. Great conversation. Don't know if I did it justice, but I appreciate Gary uh, answering those questions and giving us some insight. Let's take a break, wrap things up here in a moment. You're listening to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com. Back with more after this. Coach of the Year, Administrator of the Year, All-America Team, Wade Trophy. The WBCA doesn't just honor coaches, but players, administrators, and much more. The WBCA strives to honor those who have contributed to the advancement of women's basketball. Celebrate the present, honor the past, look to the future. 
For the love of the game. But for those of us who are Division Three student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division Three teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go on a personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Way late. I thought I was going to get this schedule, maybe go a little long. We'd be fine. Whew, we are not. Well, thank you all for who have tuned in for nearly the three hours we've been on the air. Um, not as scheduled. I thought maybe we'd go two and a half. Um, but that conversation with Gary, I didn't want to cut off. Uh, it was too good. Um, so I appreciate his, his insight and his conversation. Uh, I hope it answered some questions or gave some people some un understanding. Um, we certainly, that conversation uh, about minorities in Division Three or in general is certainly one that shouldn't end there. It, it's been an ongoing conversation on this show. And when I mentioned earlier in the show that I've, if I had my druthers and if I had the financial capabilities and all of that, there would be other shows to add. That is one of them to talk about. Um, the minority aspect of life in Division Three, from the student athlete, from the coach or the administrator, etc. Yeah, I'm a white guy. I, I get that. I would not be the guy, so solo guy on, or person, I should say, on the show. Um, there are grand ideas up here in my head. Grand ideas. Um, just haven't figured out a way to put it all together because we've struggled a little bit to just put Hoopsville together. So um, real big thanks to the NABC, the WBCA, and all of our partners, Blue Frame Technology and D3 Hoops. I will say it again. If you'd like to donate, contribute, sponsor, advertise, partner, invest, whatever, in our work, please contact us. You can email me, um, Michelle, whatever. We'll get in touch and figure it all out. Um and I appreciate all of those who do help us. Uh, Travis had an interesting question for us on our YouTube simulcast. It says, are Hoopsville archives pre-2011 available anywhere? Uh, in my office, in my closet, they are. One of the projects I'd love to try and figure out is how to uh, turn around some of the old shows. 
and get them into our podcast system at very least because we only have audio uh, pre-2011 because 2011, if I'm, if memory serves, I'm trying to think about this here for a second. Uh, my son was born, let's see, my son was born in 2009. That's the first year we did this studio. So somewhere the video archives of this show, the problem is I think we were using Ustream, so we may have lost those. I think I was still recording them. So we'll have to dive into those. But pre that, when we weren't doing video, when we were only audio, I recorded a vast majority of those shows, and we do have them on disc. Uh, we just got to get them turned around, and, and I'm hoping we can do that sometime. Um, it's a pet project, but there's a lot of pet projects with this show, and we'll try and figure it out. But great question, Travis. Uh, quick news and notes. Uh, Gary said it, and we'll say it again. Brian Baptiste, Mass Dartmouth men's basketball coach, eclipsed the 700 wind mark. He is the winningest coach actively in Division Three in terms of wins. Side note, Josh Leffler at um, Johns Hopkins uh, got his 100th win at Hopkins in just 125 games. I happen to broadcast that and then forgot to mention it at the end of the broadcast. Um, that is faster than Bill Nelson did it at Hopkins. And Leffler is already the second winningest per- by percentage coach at Johns Hopkins. Uh, and by the way, he is the winningest coach by percentage actively in Division Three. So a couple of tip of the hats to those two gentlemen. Don't usually mention a lot of 100 win marks. Uh, granted, Leffler's is just at Hopkins. He's won a lot more because he coached at Stevenson for a few years. So he's, I think he's knock on the door of 150 or more. I could be wrong. I don't have that number in front of me. Um, and just cause he's a friend of the show, Mike Blaine tip of the hat to his 100th. No, we just don't, we don't announce a lot of 100s or 200s, but I, I just figured I'd get those out of the way. Um, uh, Middlebury did beat King, Kane, King State. Keen State, Keen State, cheese, Dave. Uh, 86-82, that game ending on a Sobel block. That Keen State um, had a shot to try and tie or win. Um, And then Middlebury hit a couple free throws off the foul. Big win for Middlebury on the road. First loss for Keen that leaves only one undefeated team in Division III. That is the number one ranked St. Joe's Blue Jays. And to be honest, their conference doesn't make me think they're going to be able to beat them. Not that that isn't possible. Uh, anything's possible, but St. Joseph's could very easily be in the NCAA tournament as an undefeated team. And we'll see if yet another team, the last one to win, uh, to get the national championship undefeated was Benedictine. If I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, of course, on the women's side, that is far more common, but on the men's side, it's extremely uncommon to see undefeated teams uh, make a run to a national championship. Uh, NCAA news. The convention was held on Saturday. As we mentioned, Gary mentioned it there. 114 days did pass. They ended up going, uh, to vote. So I got it a little bit wrong. It turns out they chose on Saturday, which one to vote for not Friday at the business session. Uh, I apologize for any confusion that may have caused, but on Saturday, they chose which one they were going to tackle first, whether it was the more guidelined 114 days, which included eight days pre October 15th for hoops, or if they're going to go to the more unguard. Uh, guardrail version, uh, which allowed you to basically use the 114 however you chose. They chose to put up the vote first, the guardrail one, the one with the guidelines, and that one overwhelmingly passed. So that is uh, the new rule. Uh, all sports, I believe. I don't think there's any exceptions to that. Hundred, uh, Whatever your days were, for the most part, it's 114 days. You get to use them how you wish. There are some limitations as to pre and post so those eight days, for example, in, in men's basketball, you can use them before October 15th or after the conclusion of the, the season, however you choose to use them. Um, 
but now you can use 114 in the season however you want as well it helps it uh, quite a bit in that sense um what else was uh, there was also a vote to allow student athletes uh, students to be on more uh, governance committees and have a vote that passed overwhelmingly uh, it includes i believe and i could be wrong on this for because i forgot to check i believe the sac now gets a vote in, in a lot of things again it used to be at the convention they'd vote on things and sac could get up and say something but they didn't have a vote now they have a vote i believe could have had that wrong, but most things passed uh, at the convention. Almost nothing failed. There were a couple that did. Having a few extra days in preseason in the fall sports, for example, uh, was unceremoniously voted out. Uh, another thing that passed was mental health waiver. We talk about a physical health waiver or a health waiver in general. They removed that and made it a mental health on its own. So now student-athletes can have a waiver of a year, redshirt essentially, for, for mental health reasons awesome absolutely i love that and there are a bunch of other things some changes to committees the size of committees who represents on committees for example all 40 some odd conferences now will have some representation between management and governance uh management and president's councils i apologize not everybody on each so the the committees those councils don't change to 40 some odd strong but uh 20 some odd and each one will be representative and if there isn't one available there's some guidelines on how to handle that so great stuff came out of the nca convention tradition is on the marathon we talked to the president of or the vice president of division three uh that is louise mccleary Hopefully we'll get her on the show, talk a little bit more about that and the state of Division Three as well. Um, again, we're still following the Albion men's basketball and Concordia Chicago men's basketball uh, situations to different situations. Um, I think on Thursday we might try and dive in on those two plus some other things. So Thursday's show might be a little bit different plus the top 25 panel on the women's side will join us. We're evolving as a show. Uh, I still love interviewing coaches and student athletes we're going to try and keep them involved um but right now we just have enough topics that we're trying to figure out how to slide everything in and talk about what we need to talk about so we'll cross that bridge we'll also try and figure out what the hell happened at that southwestern shriner game uh in women's basketball um try and get some more details for that on thursday uh appreciate our guests who came on the show and, and uh took their time to be with us uh certainly meant a lot um Olivia Lett at Milliken, Meg Barber at NYU, uh, Kent Durbach at Lacrosse, uh, and of course Gary Stewart uh, at Stevenson. I want to thank their SIDs. Uh, I am gonna forget names, and I hate when I do that because I'm not thinking. But Jeff Bernstein uh, and his staff uh, at at NYU, most importantly, because they were tremendous over the last uh, uh, few weeks. In fact, to help us with that. So I really appreciate their their assistance on those things. And I know I'm forgetting one of Jeff's staff members. I really, really apologize. Maxwell uh, at Stevenson, thank you for your help on everything. Brian Marshall at Milliken, you were tremendous. Thank you very much for your time. Um, and I know I'm missing one uh, at Wisconsin Lacrosse. David Johnson, of course, same name as me. Uh, David, thank you for your help as well. And thank you to all the sports information directors out there for their yeoman's work every day in Division Three. By the way, uh, thank you for those who go on to D3Hoops.com and update um, scores, links, etc., especially for those who are not um, the same web client as D3 Hoops. We, it, it helps us, certainly, but it helps the entire Division Three community as well uh and with that we're going to wrap this one up we'll be back on the air thursday seven o'clock eastern time uh we're still working on that we'll tell you all about it 
Uh, and then next uh, next Monday, we'll be back on the air again at um, 7 o'clock. We've got some big things coming. We're going to be talking to committee chairs very soon. We, we'd like to talk to some of the officials, the head of officials soon. Um, there's some cool stories on the side we want to get to. Unfortunately, we also want to keep our eyes on Albion and Concordia, Chicago, and other scenarios that are happening. Women's basketball numbers being a little bit down. Exec, those are things we're going to build towards, and we'll also tackle a lot of them on the marathon coming up on February 2nd. And there are bigger things ahead that we can't wait to announce. In the meantime, thank you again to the National Association of Basketball Coaches, Women's Basketball Coaches Association, Blue Frame Technology, D3Hoops.com, and all of you who have been so supportive of this program. Thanks to Bob Quillman, Ryan Scott, and Ryan Winnable for coming on the show today as well to be part of our Top 25 panel. And with that, we sign off. Hope you enjoy it. Make sure you watch uh, Hoopsville because... If you want to talk Division Three basketball, you've got to listen to Hoopsville. We continue to be on the air, and we hope you will continue to support us and, of course, Division Three basketball. Until Thursday, have a great rest of the week and enjoy the great basketball wherever you may be able to take a game in.